where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Mr. Ray! Good morning, everyone, and welcome to rainy, stormy St. Louis, Missouri, and Character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. It's 7.01. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. And Michelle Smallman, good morning. Here's the forecast. It's going to rain. It is, in fact, raining, Randy. That is an accurate forecast. How's your basement you so doing? Much. It's not great. There's water everywhere. The power is out. Um, <laughs> for all of those people who are probably dealing with that, please be careful. If you're driving around listening yeah. to us, the rain is very bad. Please drive slowly. Everybody be careful out there. It's a bad weather day here in St. Yeah, Louis. Completely avoid small bridges today. Like oh, when I was a teenager, we yeah. had a, we had a classmate when I was in college that drew, drove a small truck and he was driving across a small bridge in a bad storm and his truck got swept away and he died, drowned. Are you serious? Yeah. Terrible. It happens. So be very careful if you're going across small bridges. Oh my gosh, what a sad way to start the show, Randy. Well, it, you know, just I want to warn people. Yes. As long, you know, he, he still died, but still, it's, I just want to warn people that this does happen. It's dangerous to be out there this morning. We have these big windows that... Uh, face out onto Olive Boulevard so we can see the cars. First of all, we can barely see cars because mm-hmm. it, the, the weather is so thick and so bad. And it does seem like everyone is driving very slowly. So good job, guys. Keep it up. Yep. Hey, uh, no baseball last night. The Cardinals were off. They'll open a two-game series in Toronto tonight. And the Cardinals, Michelle, are two games back of Milwaukee in the National League Central. They're a half game ahead of Philadelphia in the National League wildcard race. But the Cardinals, in their last... Uh, six road series, 0-5-1 in their last 10 series overall, two series wins, six series losses, and two series ties. I'm alarmed by the 0-5-1 in their last six road series. Yes. And they have to start playing better overall and certainly better on the road. And we mentioned it yesterday. This is kind of scary because it could get away from the Cardinals in a hurry. When you only have two pitchers that you can really count on and you start the all-star break with both of those guys Wainwright and Michaelis getting hit hard there comes a time where even if you get hot it's not going to happen for you what we shouldn't bank on is a 17 game winning streak down the stretch that gets you into the playoffs no and last year the Cardinals were able to win those 17 in a row in large part because they went out and got two starting pitchers that they didn't expect to perform well at the trade deadline and the guys did wind up performing well obviously in in John Lester and Jay Happ I don't see the Cardinals being able to pull off those sorts of deals this year it last year was kind of a fluke Big time fluke. And I think even the Cardinals would be the yeah. first to admit that. They mm-hmm. wanted those guys to come in, eat some innings, protect the young talent that they had uh, who had been in in that position and were struggling. And it was really just kind of a 
a stopgap for a while that ended up being much better than you anticipated. And again, I don't think that you can bank on that in the second half of the season. But Randy, I also don't know if, as I survey the landscape of Major League Baseball, that there's that many guaranteed pitchers out there that you think are going to come in and help the Cardinals. So they're going to have to help themselves. Well, and the other part of it is, Michelle, we talk about the easy schedule. Well, if you're the Cardinals, there's no such thing as easy now. Is there? You just lost two of three to Cincinnati. Before the break, you took two of two from Cincinnati, but you also didn't handle Philadelphia particularly well. And now you, after this series against Toronto, you have a day off and then you go to Washington for three. And Washington is terrible this year, but the Cardinals certainly are questionable when they play teams like the Reds, the Nationals, the Cubs. I thought for a long time that the schedule softening up in the second half would really benefit the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not so sure that the Cardinals are that far above. I know that they're below the best teams like we thought before the season started. We know that the best teams are better than the Cardinals. But I'm not so sure that the Cardinals, especially with the loss of Mats, without having Flaherty, that they are good enough to handle those teams they're going to be playing over the course of the second half. Well, the the Reds had another win last night. They opened the second half winning three out of four, including two of three versus the Cardinals. You're in trouble if the teams that you think are pushovers are all of a sudden getting yep. hot and playing better. And I was looking at the schedule last night, Randy, and I wonder if there's a date that you have in mind that you think might be the point of no return. As if the Cardinals aren't neck and neck with the Brewers at this point, the deficit is going to just continue to grow and they're not going to be able to make up ground. I, I I looked at the schedule, too, and I think that they have some runway here because they're close. They do. But if you get to August 26th and all of a sudden you have Atlanta here and you know Atlanta is going to be playing well and the difficulties that you've had in Cincinnati and you go to Cincinnati right after that Atlanta series. I'm talking end of August, beginning of September. Then after those two series, you've got the Cubs here and the Cubs have proved to be a thorn in the Cardinal side. You've got Washington here, and then you've got a lot of Pirates, Brewers, and Reds down the stretch, plus the Padres and Dodgers. I would say that my magic date is going to be August 26th. You better be within five, uh, maybe even closer than that. Maybe you, you need to be within two on August 25th, or else it's just not going to happen for you. What about you? So my first date that I looked at was August 22nd, because you open up a five-game set versus the Cubs, and as you, you just laid out the the rest of the schedule beautifully but then I looked before that Randy and I actually think that by August 16th they better be in a good position because you come off a three-game series versus the Brewers and then you have the Rockies you have the Diamondbacks and then you have that five-game set versus the Cubs if if going into that or excuse me it should be after that if after that you haven't feasted enough, I don't know if you're going to do it. So that would be, yes, the 26th. So, yeah, mm-hmm. same thing for you. So either by the 22nd or the 26th within that window with Chicago, if they're not close enough, I don't think they're going to make it up. And they have no choice. I think it could be earlier. If they don't make a move for a top three starter next Tuesday, one week from today, then it's just not going to happen. And I really like the future, what the future holds for Andre Pallante. I think Dakota Hudson is a nice back-of-the-rotation guy. I hope that Matthew Libertor turns into what they thought they were getting when they traded to Rosarena and Jose Martinez for them. But those guys are not guys that you want starting a third game in a series against a good team right now. Hopefully, Michaelis and Wainwright, that was just a, a blip yeah. over the weekend. 
But I, I think those two are legitimately front of the rotation guys. I'll take those two against most teams. But if you have to start those back three right now without supplementing your starting rotation, then it really doesn't even matter what you do after the deadline, which you'll face the Cubs uh, next Tuesday. I don't think it matters if you don't supplement the starting rotation. And you certainly need the starting pitching, but you need the offense to be consistent, too. Mm -hmm. Even if the pitching is at a deficit, that's when the offense needs to come in, get some big-time run support, and try to offset the weakness that you might have. Tell me this. If the Cardinals don't get Juan Soto, and I don't think they will, are you comfortable, Michelle, and we're just... I'm, I'm spitballing here. This is just my idea. I know what the Marlins want for Pablo Lopez is a middle-of-the-order bat. Mm-hmm. They, Tyler O'Neill would seem to fit that mold of what they're looking for. Would you give up that offense that Tyler O'Neill provided down the stretch last year to get that starting pitcher who's probably a number two? You probably slot him in ahead of Miles Michaelis. Well, first of all, let's address the Juan Soto thing. I know it's fun to speculate about Juan Soto coming here because he's a legitimate star. And I know that a lot of national pundits have connected the Cardinals as the number one destination for Juan Soto because they have the resources and the treasure chest to get it done. I said to you yesterday after the show, it would be the biggest surprise of my professional career if the Cardinals went out and got Juan Soto. Not only because it's the antithesis of a John Moselak deadline move, but you're going to have to sign him to a half a billion dollars, which they're not going to do. They don't give up um, young prospects for a rental, and I still don't think it addresses your biggest need, which is pitching. So it's fun to think about, but I've already closed that book in my mind, so I know that that's probably a bummer to a lot of people, but I just don't see it happening. However, I would move a Tyler O'Neill and the offense if I knew it was going to get me the pitching that I needed. Because you do have a, a, all of these young guys who are eventually, uh, they're going to be knocking on the door before you know it. And you're going to have to find a spot for them. At mm-hmm. some point, you're going to have to decide if it's someone that's currently on the roster or someone for the future that you value more. Even now, when Yepes comes back and you've got Brendan Donovan, you've got people to plug in out there. Are they going to provide you 34 home runs? No. But they're serviceable, and I would argue that right now you can get by with the offense that those two would provide you in left field more than you and without O'Neill more than you can get by with the starting pitching you have minus a pitcher the caliber of a Lopez. I just wonder what the appetite would be for a Tyler uh, Tyler O'Neill out on the market. I mean, yes, he was amazing last year, Gold Glover, thirty-four home runs, but he's been injured, mm-hmm. and that of course, takes a, your asking price takes the hit there. Right. And both players are under control through 2024, which works, obviously, to the advantage of the Cardinals. But Lopez is another guy who the Cardinals would desire because of control. They don't want to have to get into a situation where they have to re-sign a guy immediately. So that would be one of the pitchers that I would hope that they're making phone calls about. I do think it would be difficult a, for Cincinnati to trade Luis Castillo within the division. And B, the Athletic got a lot of local writers, and they didn't include Katie Wu, by the way, to put together packages for Luis Castillo. And just in looking at what writers think their teams would do for Castillo, I don't think the Cardinals would go there either. I can't imagine that that would be something great to sell to your fan base, that you would deal Luis Castillo within the division. Unless you get a Jordan Walker back, right? And that's not going to happen. No, I I don't think that they would 
They're not going to go there, as our no. friend Steve Spagnuolo would say. <laughs> right. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. And this is Carriker and Smallman. Cards and Jays tonight at Rogers Century. It's Palante against Berrios, who's 7-4 and with a 5.22. And that game can be seen on Valley Sports starting at 6 o'clock. Coming up, our friend, comedian, singer, Renaissance man, Tim Convy, has a neat event coming up at the ballpark and a lot of other stuff going on. We're going to talk to him, uh, a great comedian, next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. And right down the hall at 106.5 The Arch every morning is the Courtney Show. And they have two convies. They have Chris and Tim. And the one we like, Tim, joins us here on Character and Spalman right now on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning. I'm happy to be here. If you guys brought me on to talk about Ludo Night at the ballpark, I'm excited. We if did. you brought me on just to make my brother angry, you did the job. He got so <laughs> mad. He goes, what? What, what are you going on? And just to make him really mad, he goes, what are you going on ESPN for? I go, oh, they want to talk about F1. Oh, and he no. got, because that's his thing. I mean, he, he hit the roof. I will go, if you're, yeah, be happy you're not tuned into the arch right yeah. now, because I imagine it's him just expletive. I imagine it's really bad. He's very upset. Okay, so now that you're here yes. and you're live on the radio, we're going to put you on the spot. Can we count on your help if we want to play a prank on your brother? Yes. Okay, deal. 100%. You, you heard that? He, Clip that audio. He's on our side. Yes, I'm in. He so, gets, it's got to be uh, pointed in the right direction. Right? He can be a little uh, uh, sensitive. So it depends what it is, but I, I have a feeling it'll be good. Well, we've been talking about that because we, we miss a good old prank war. Yeah. And yeah. it feels like your show is a good target, Tim. <sighs> But once you start that, I promise you, my brother will finish it. Really? <laughs> yeah, the guy, I mean, he acts like there's no consequences in life. So what you think like, oh, this is cute, or there's something rotten in the studio. And then he, you know, who knows what he would do in here. He, it's, it's, elevation is his thing. Okay, so, good to know. You mentioned Ludo Night at the ballpark, and Tim Convey is a renaissance man. You are part yes. of a band, Ludo. You're a great comedian. You're a, a radio star in town. <laughs> so I, I first I got, before we get to Ludo, what did you do first, music, comedy, and what do you like better? Yeah, so uh, music, then comedy, then radio is how, mm -hmm. how I did okay. things. I mean, I, from, uh, I, I went to Mizzou, and then right after Mizzou, started Ludo, and that was my, my whole life for, for 10 years. Uh, and what I like, I, I, I'm very grateful that I get to do all of them. Uh, comedy's, probably, comedy's just me, and that's probably the most fulfilling. Radio and the band are collaborative, which is great, too, and I get to work with really talented people. But uh, comedy's the one that I, I think is probably the most satisfying. That's awesome. You are a modern day slashy, by the way. If you've seen Zoolander, you know, you get the slashy award because oh, you yeah, wear a lot of, of hats. Yeah, I know. It's a blessing and a curse, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but you're good at all, all of them, which is great. Now, I want to know when you knew that Ludo was going to take off because a lot of people make bands with people that they know or, or they collaborate with people that they want to. But when did you think, actually, we've got something here and this could be popular? I, I mean, right, I think when we started because it was, we, we finished school and it was, this is all we're going to do. And everybody got rid of, uh, 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 girlfriends and the other guys dropped out of school and it was like this is all we're going to do we were just completely poor and living out of a van and it was sort of like there was there was no fallback plan so there it just there was no way it wasn't going to be 
Wow. And I was just the, the songs that 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 um Andrew the singer had written. I was so inspired by that. I'm like, oh, this is what I'm gonna do with my life. That's and then awesome. you, you guys took some time off, right? Uh, like a lot of time off. Yeah, we did. So it was a full time thing for 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 ten years. I mean, it used to just be we did the we were in the bus and the vans and the the touring around and we did, you know we got to play on the Tonight Show. We played on Jimmy Kimmel. We got to do a lot of really cool stuff. And then uh, and then stopped. We all sort of had kind of set goals at a, at a certain place. We reached that goal, and then we were all on different pages. And everybody kind of started other lives. And I got to start doing comedy, and then radio. Everybody do, does different things, and then. Just back in 2018, we were like, ah, let's just do a reunion, see if anybody cares. Um, did the pageant on Halloween, sold out in an hour, added another show, it sold out. So now it's become this thing where every Halloween we do three nights at the pageant, and it's been crazy. And now we're, uh, yeah, we're doing doing the ballpark, so and, we're excited. Yeah, and tell us about that. Tim Convy from Ludo, and Ludo Night at the ballpark is coming up August 26th at Bush Stadium, and the Cardinals welcoming you guys in, and I saw the cool shirt. So tell us about how people can get to Ludo Night at the ballpark. Yeah, so cardinals.com slash Ludo has everything on there. They've never done, you know, obviously Cardinals do, uh, they do Grateful Dead Night, they do Beatles mm-hmm. Night, they'll do things where they have tribute bands. It's the first thing they've done with uh, an, an original band, so we're, we're going to be there playing a set. It's going to be weird. Like, if you know anything about Ludo, we're very uh, strange. People use the word quirky very, very politely. <laughs> we sing about things like like dinosaurs and pirates and stuff like that. And I hear whipped cream, too, right? A lot of whipped cream <laughs> is involved, too. Yeah, so it's it's super fun. So we're just this set is such a weird thing for us. We're excited. But, you know, if you're a Ludo fan, you probably know about this already. Uh, I'm hoping you take a look at this shirt. It's the birds on a bat, mm-hmm. right? It's the standard Cardinals thing on the, on the St. Louis jersey. Jersey, uh, but pterodactyls instead of birds. So if you're a dinosaur enthusiast or a pterodactyl enthusiast, I think you're going to get on board for this as well. Or a, a Ludo enthusiast. I'm looking at the shirt right now. It is very gorgeous. Um, you, everybody needs this. I have a question for you about whipped cream, though. Oh, please. What, <laughs> what's your stance on Cool Whip? Uh, I prefer I prefer the real stuff. Okay. But I'll tell you this. So we have a song called Whipped Cream, mm-hmm. and, and we, we shot a music video where we're all fighting with whipped cream. And... Uh, the directors were like, well, let's just use shaving cream because it's basically just soap. It'll be a lot easier to get out. We're like, no, we got to do the real thing. And all of us for weeks, it was, it just, you smelled it. You had to throw away all of our clothes. Really? So like, I don't really love any kind of whipped cream after that experience. And that was 12 years ago. Oh if you use God. Cool Whip, you just have to pick it up and throw it, right? You have yeah, to just chuck a it at a guy. Yes, it is. You can be more violent yeah. with Cool Whip. So that's an advantage. Tim Convy, you've got some... Comedy events coming up, and I'm going to put you on the spot here because you yeah. got you're, you're performing with our buddy, our mutual friend Greg Warren at Laughing mm-hmm. Gas in Cape Girardeau. You're at uh, Bonkers in is it Potawatomi? Uh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Casino in Milwaukee, in, yeah, in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's so Red Flag is another place. What is Zanies? What's the weirdest named comedy club? That you've ever worked at? Uh, it's so funny because to me, it's just like the name of the clubs, but I'll say them. I'll be like, oh, I got a week at the Looney Bin. And people <laughs> yeah. will be like, the what? Fun- I get Funny Bone. Yeah, Funny, funny bone-, bone is good. Yeah. But Zanies. same thing to somebody else, that sounds insane, but you've yeah. known it your, yeah, your right, whole life. Right. Uh, but yeah, Looney Bin is up there. Yeah, Zanies. Bonkers. Zanies, with a Z. Bonkers. Boy, those are all on my schedule right now, aren't they? <laughs> Zanies, Bonkers. No Looney Bins. Yeah, they're all, they're all up there. I love thinking of a group of people getting together and they're like, Let's call it bonkers, but throw a Z in there. Yeah, you have to. It's when you want people to have fun, you put a Z in there. No doubt. <laughs> well, we're looking forward to 
the uh, the great night at the ballpark, August 26th, Ludo Night at Bush Stadium, cardinals.com slash Ludo. And uh, we love the fact that you stopped by here. And they gave you some time off. You think they're talking about you behind your back over there? They absolutely. Chris is furious that I'm that I'm over here. So they're absolutely talking about me. And you guys th- start brainstorming this prank. I love it. I'm warning you, it's gonna get crazy. But I'm I'm absolutely in. Whatever we'll I can do, I'll do. Bonkers. Pardon me. Will it get bonkers? It's gonna get bonkers <laughs> with a Z, maybe a, maybe a Q, an F. Who knows? I love it. And your website is Tim Convy Stuff, C O N V Y, Tim dot com. Yeah, and I've got a, a week at the Funny Bone coming up next month. So those are really yeah, Funny Bone out at Westport's a lot of fun. So yeah, come check out some stand up as well. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll come down the hall and say, hey, can we get tickets for Saturday? You guys got it. Whatever you yep. guys want. Yeah. And those what sixty nine ninety five each? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not. It's very, <laughs> You'll very... crank the price up for us, yeah. right? <laughs> Uh, no, I, you guys are guest list friends at this point. Yeah, wow. Tim, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Tim Convy, Lunar Night at the Ballpark, August 26th at Bush Stadium. And you can see and hear Ludo on that night, cardinals.com slash Ludo. Speaking of the Cardinals, Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine joins us next to talk about the Redbirds on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. With Michelle Smallman, I'm Randy Carricker, and every other Tuesday we get an opportunity to talk to Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine. And if you'd like to subscribe, it is a beautiful magazine. Just go to cardinals.com slash magazine, and you can set up your subscription. And Stan is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? Everything's great. Well, aside from the rain and the, the fact that the Cardinals lost two of three in Cincinnati, but otherwise, other than that, everything's great. Uh, good to hear. Uh, <laughs> things are well at the magazine also. Uh, I kind of wanted to start, ask you a question. I wanted to ask you a question, sort of a trivia. I guess it's kind of a trivia question this morning. You know, we're doing our yearbook on uh, Adam Wainwright. So we have uh, been researching Adam Wainwright's career. We've got it all covered. And so I wanted to ask you a little question here. Okay. I think you can get it. Uh, you know, we know Adam loves to hit, fancies himself as a slugger is the only Cardinals pitcher since 2000 to have two seasons with uh, double-digit RBIs. Okay? Okay. So there's been two other Cardinals pitchers since 2000 to have one season of t- at least 10 RBIs. Can you, name, can you name those two pitchers? One of them, it would seem, would be Jason Marquis. That was you are absolutely right on that one. The other one might be a little bit of a surprise. Okay, uh, uh, let me think about this. You want a, you want a second? <laughs> yeah, d- give me one second here. You got it. Um, I'm, it had and to if be. You want a hint? If you want a hint, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll I always like hint. hints. Yes. Okay, we'll say this is w- within the past five seasons. Oh, interesting, Michaelis. Nope. Okay. Uh, last five years. Hold on here. Um, okay, I'll take one more shot, and obviously it's going to be a guy that's got a lot of starts, double-digit RBIs. Uh, okay. And I will one more hint. Okay. One more hint. Let's see. He was an all-star the season. He had ten RBIs. Okay. Um, I, I'm just uh, I'm going through numbers here. I'm going, and I can't think of uh, Flaherty. 
No. Who is it? It's uh, Carlos Martinez. No it or not. way. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, that's great. That stumped me also. That's, that's a great one. I, I would have never picked Carlos. I would have had to go a long way down the line to pick Carlos. But that was uh, <laughs> Carlos' last, uh, really, his last good season. You know, he made the all-star team that year. And uh, I think he had a home run. Yep, so... What an awesome uh, piece of trivia, Stan. And I love that you opened with that because Megamind knows almost everything. Uh, but Stan, <laughs> we're going to ask you about the Cardinals draft picks here in a second. But I wanted to start with Jackson Holiday. One of the cool things about the Cardinal magazine is that you guys have unbelievable photos and history in your archives. So when Jackson Holiday goes number one overall, I'm sure it was cool for you guys to take a look down memory lane of some photos and information that you had of Jackson and Matt when Jackson was just a little kid. Oh, you know, it's amazing. And and really, by the time Matt was here, Jackson was still a little kid, but he had already been in big league clubhouses for, you know, five or six seasons. But I think the I think the coolest photo I've seen from that was one when when Matt was quite, quite young in his Rockies career and he's holding Jackson and Jackson must be like one or no more than one and a half years old. To, you know, and when you see that and I think the caption just said, you know, Jack or Matt Holiday with the future number one dra- pick in the draft. You know, you look at that and you just think that's that's amazing. But uh, you know, Jackson, uh, anybody who was uh, in that clubhouse during Matt's time here would have seen Jackson and his brother Ethan uh, quite regularly. You know, and uh, those guys again, it's kind of amazing because you could just see the way they move. That these kids are athletes and. You can never like say that kid's going to be a major league player, but you know these are two kids you could almost say that about, and it's you know it looks like it's going to be true someday. Stan McNeil from Cardinals Magazine on 101 ESPN, and Stan. Over the years, the Cardinals have had several pitchers that they've taken number one that have moved through the system quickly. Michael Waka, notable. Marco Gonzalez, notable. And there is a strong school of belief that uh, Cooper Zerpe will be one of those guys that moves quickly through the system. What are your early impressions of the Cardinals' number one pick? You know, uh, you're right. This guy is a legit pitcher. He's, I think whether we will see him, how much we see him this year, he's in Jupiter right now along with the second and third round picks. Or I think most of the picks at this point have been signed and are in Jupiter. So they'll spend this week kind of uh, – the club will get an, a, an assessment of where they are because with the draft being later – these guys haven't been pitching, you know, pitching competitively anyway since the end of their season, which uh, college pitcher, if you don't go to the College World Series, that's several weeks now. So depending on how long it takes them, those guys to ramp up and how much they've thrown this, this year, and I think Jerpy's a guy that has already thrown quite a bit, just we'll see how they uh, kind of uh, integrate them into the system. But uh, to me what's interesting is that, you know, the first three picks were left-handed pitchers, all out of college, all out of, you know, big-time programs, all three California kids. And now, you know, you have a first-round pick who the slot for him is like $3.6 million. The third-round pick is like $2.5 million less than that. So you got these three guys that have different signing bonuses, but once they get to Jupiter, they get on the field, that kind of goes out the window. So you'll see – we're going to see how these three develop and, you know, who uh, who can get to St. Louis the quickest. I remember talking to Chris Duncan, who was taken 
in the first round, the year that Albert Pujols was taken in the 13th, and those two show up together at the same time, and Chris is saying to himself, wait, this guy win the 13th round? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just never know, you know, but one, it, it's interesting because once, they, once they're signed and, and in Jupiter, all that's out the window, and they're kind of like, uh, let, let, let's just see who can do it, and, and they're, you know, Derpy's the guy that clearly is more advanced. And from my take, he's just got the command of four pitches, you know, whereas Bryson Motts, the second round pick from St. Louis, he's a guy that uh, was not even recruited by the University of San Diego, which is where he ended up going, not even recruited out of high school. But he's one of those kids that's still growing, you know, and his velo is still coming. And then uh, Pete Hansen, the third round pick out of Texas, he seems like a guy who's also just a, a real polished pitcher, not so much a hard-throwing lefty as just a guy that can also a, more of a, a crafty lefty type. So you've got three lefties, but they're, you know, they've got their differences in the, in the way they pitch. Stan, I want to go back to Albert Pujols for a second. He was on the cover of the Cardinals magazine, and it said the Pujols presence, same focus, more fun. And I don't think that uh, that sentence was more on display ever than what we saw at the All-Star game, more specifically the home run derby. It was so great to see Albert not only compete and advance, but all the respect he got from his peers. Absolutely. You know, I was in Cincinnati over the weekend, and we talked to Albert about that. And just, you know, that that moment to me was – spontaneous and that's really what made it so cool and uh you know albert said he had no idea it was it was going to happen and the fact that it did you know gave him gave him goosebumps kind of thing because it was such a sign of respect from so many different players and uh, i thought it was the coolest moment of the night and you think to the last time that happened and that was 1999 right when players surrounded Ted Williams on the mound before the actual All-Star game so that's the sort of reverence that the current players have for Albert Pools and it's for me Stan and you've been around clubhouses for a long time I think it's cool to see players actually be fans Oh absolutely you know and you have to wonder like how many autographs is, is Albert signing this season for players in the other clubhouse, you know, how many guys are asking for jerseys and, uh, and baseballs and bats, you know, it's, uh, cause, because you're right. I mean, you see it when, uh, when Albert gets on second base, a lot of times the guy will come up and you can just tell he's just Albert, you know, he's told me, he said, these guys are just like, uh, congratulating him and just what an honor it is for them to be on the same field with Albert, you know, when you're saying this in the, in the heat of the battle, that's, uh, that's, that says a lot. That sounds like a great piece, Stan, that somebody should uh, tally <laughs> up all the autographs that Albert's been signing. But what is your favorite piece that you have worked on or that you're currently working on so far this season? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I would have to go with uh, the Wayno yearbook. You know, we've just, uh, I think it's taken us a while to get this, but it's really going to be worth it. I think we bring a lot to, uh, Lots of the readers that you really haven't uh, heard a whole lot about Adam. And as long as Adam has been here and as great uh, a talker as he is and as much as we know about him, I think there's still you'll still find a lot of new stuff in it. And one other thing here, Paul Goldschmidt is having the best year for a Cardinal hitter since. Do we have to go back to Albert Pujols? Oh, I, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it, that's what it kind of feels like, isn't it? I mean, you know, no one else is getting on, and then Goldie will get a single, or Goldie will walk. You know, I mean, he's just uh, he's just been so consistent. But yeah, I can't think of uh, you know, Berkman had a good season, Carlos Beltran had one, uh, Holiday 
had a few, but uh, I don't think we've seen anything uh, like uh, what Goldie's putting up this year. And finally, Stan, tell people uh, about the the yearbook. You mentioned Adam Wainwright being in it, but the yearbook uh, is available for people to order right now if they go to cardinals.com slash publications. And what what are your, aside from the Waino piece, what are the, your keys to the yearbook? Well, <laughs> we've talked to a lot of people about Wayno, so we have their thoughts on Wayno. The yearbook also has uh, player pages for each guy on the roster this year, kind of a look at their career. And uh, it's just a you know high high gloss, very uh, very nice uh, production. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much, Stan. Always good to talk to you, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. That's Stan awesome. McNeil, Cardinals Magazine, and Michelle. We mentioned it every time we talk to Stan. The quality of that magazine is unmatched right now in terms of publications. You aren't going to find a better quality in terms of the the pictures, the the paper piece of production than the Cardinals turn out with their magazine. Anytime we get one, I sit down and I read it cover to cover because not only is it beautiful, as you mentioned, there's so much info Mm -hmm. in that magazine. They get great access. Players are super open and transparent with them. And it's, uh, it's information, but it's also really fun. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. We've got Take It or Leave It coming your way with Carriker and Smallman. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Take it or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. With Michelle Smallman and Matthew Rocchio, I'm Randy Carricker, and it's time for Take It or Leave It on a rainy Tuesday in St. Louis. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780, and we would recommend that in this weather you limit your driving while texting. Yes, please be careful. Yeah, be very careful out there. Michelle, the XFL is going to have their teams practicing in Dallas and then flying in to play their home air quotes, games at the stadiums. And with that being the case, with the players actually living in Dallas, take it or leave it, this will be the ultimate example of rooting strictly for the laundry. Ooh, good one. Take it. Yeah, we're going to be rooting for guys because we don't know the guys. It would benefit them to make sure that they have a very good local media strategy in place Mm -hmm. to where these guys are going on different shows and... um, uh, you know, learning about the city. There, there's there got to be things in place to help that connectivity or else I don't think that these local markets are going to be that invested. I was th- I tweeted this yesterday, Randy, and this is my take it or leave it. Um, and it goes hand in hand with, with your point. I And you still have time to vote, by the way, on Twitter, Adam Smallman, if you'd like to. But I tweeted, if the St. Louis XFL team was rebranded, it wasn't the Battle Hawks, would you still be excited? Take it or leave it. If it had a different name and we didn't have the Battle Hawks and we couldn't yell caca, our interest level would be below 30%. I'll take that. I believe that's the case, yes. We're more invested in the memories of the Battle Hawks and, and the fun um, sayings and the caca and all that then we are actually invested in the xfl and these players who aren't even going to be living in town and how much difference did it make for us to have 
Jordan Te'amu coming into studios, to have the Mizzou yep. guys that knew St. Louis, to have the, the, the local products that were aware of what this community is all about. I thought it made a huge difference. I thought the most important thing that they did was, well, twofold, was number one, have Kurt Hunzecker mm-hmm. be in charge of things Agreed. because he's a local guy and he really cared about the product and about making it work for St. Louis. And number two, on the heels of having Kurt be in that role, they had town halls. They actually spoke to St. Louis football fans and said, we know that you have a complicated relationship with this sport, but this is St. Louis's football team. We're building it from the ground up, and we want to tailor the experience to what you want on a game day. So they knew that where'd you go to high school is important in the St. Louis area. So they would have high school bands come in and do a challenge of the bands. They, they really listened to what we wanted. And without having boots on the ground, I don't know how important any of that stuff is going to be. No, I, I always, and you do too, we root for St. Louis. Yes. But there's a difference between rooting and investing. And I think it'll be difficult to make an emotional investment that leads to a financial investment for a lot of people. Especially when soccer is kicking off at the same time. Yeah, right. Good point. All right, Matthew Rocchio, what do you got on the text line? 65780. I got an easy one here. Take it or leave it. This rain sucks. Oh, take. Take it, yeah. Who's going to say leave? Who's going to say yes? Farmers. Yeah, but even they're probably dealing with some flash flooding. Yeah, but they at least are... There's some over rain, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. The grass has been a little dry. Mine's been really dry. Super I've got dry. green envy that comes out to my house to keep my grass green. Uh, even was, they couldn't do it. Wow. Telling Randy, there was a part of St. Louis that experienced a 1,000-year flood event this morning. What's like, up? Uh, one part of St. Louis experienced a 1,000-year flood event. They, t- St. Oh Peter's, St. Peter's got 10 inches of rain from midnight to 6 a.m., which is like a record for which is like a record in St. Louis. Ugh. A one thousand year flood event in St. Peter's. So good job living through essentially the you know if you saw an ark go by your house today in St. Peter's, you know, you know why? I am sick of unprecedented events happening in my <laughs> lifetime. I am sick of <laughs> wow. We've one. never seen this much rain. We've never seen fires like this. Wow, global pandemic. The economy's crazy. I'm sick of it. I am sick of of this. Only happens once in a lifetime. Because I'm having so many ones in a lifetime things happen during my lifetime. It's not fun. I think that's Thursday. <laughs> you know what? The, with the rain, I'm allowed another day. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Even without Goldie and Nolan, the Cardinals sweep the Jays. You know, I'm going to leave that. I am too. Um, specifically Goldie. He's, he's been not, this is nothing against Nolan Arenado, who's a Hall of Famer and amazing. But Paul Goldschmidt is the MVP of not only the Cardinals, but of the National League this year. And I don't like the Cardinals' chances in any game versus any opponent without him. And even though the Blue Jays aren't, from a record standpoint, dynamic this year, that's a really talented team. Now, do they have some warts? Yes. But I don't think any observer, they're, they're 10 games over 500. I don't think any observer nationally of baseball would be surprised if Toronto, and by the way, they're number one in the American League wildcard race. I don't think anybody would be surprised if Toronto would land in the World Series. So um, is Toronto better than the Reds? Yes, they are. Did the Cardinals drop two of three to the Reds with Goldie and Arenado playing? Yes, they did. So I don't like their chances. I'm with you. I agree. <laughs> If we're doing a little equation yeah. here, I don't like their chances of playing a better opponent without their two best players. Oh, here's one I never wanted to read. This says a lot about the Cardinals. Take it or leave it. DeYoung up. Gorman down. I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that too, but DeYoung's been putting together a nice little case for himself. He has. 
I just go back to, and I think Mo meant it when he said that DeYoung had been Wally pipped. And also, when they said, and both Ollie and Mo said, when we bring up Nolan Gorman, he's here. He's here to stay. And I think they really mean that. They they saw all they needed to see of Nolan Gorman at AAA. I don't think that he's going to be any better, mm-hmm. get any better by going back to AAA. Right. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should trade Tyler O'Neill for pitching help and then call Casey and acquire Andrew Benatendi to play a gold glove left field and provide offense for the lineup. I'm going to leave that. I think that they have enough hitters that they don't need to go trade assets for Andrew Benintendi. Can Benintendi nice pitch? Player. Can he pitch? Yeah, right. And trading O'Neal for pitching, I think, is a good idea. But when you have Yepes coming back, when you have Brendan Donovan, I think you've got offense, not Benintendi-type offense, but there are going to be teams, example, the Yankees, if he gets vaccinated, that are going to trade for Benintendi. And the Yankees' thought process is, we don't want to miss. We need yeah. a left-handed hitter. We don't want to miss out on that left-handed hitter if we have to play Toronto in the playoffs. If my interest in Juan Soto is waning because of my desire for the Cardinals to fortify their pitching, <laughs> I'm not that interested in bringing in Ben Attendee. Agreed. I'm with you. Yeah, that, that, seem, that seems about fair. Take it or leave it. Yachty will return just in time to lead the Cardinals to the playoffs. Take it. Oh, I'll take that for sure. Yeah. In Yachty, we trust. Come okay. on back, Yachty. Can't wait to see you. He will provide an infusion of energy, though, when he comes back. I think he will. And I don't know that it matters what he does offensively. But I do feel better about the young pitchers. Not that I will feel good about them, but I feel better about the young pitchers if Yachty is nurturing them through starts. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Take it or leave it. Dallas Keuchel's the only deadline move. I'll leave that. He just got signed by somebody last night. I don't think that he's going to. He's been DFA'd twice this year. Who signed him last night? The Rangers? I think the Texas Rangers signed him. Oh, God. Him. That's a bad sign. Yeah, that, that, that tells you a lot about where he is. Yeah. Yep. Minor league contract. Yeah, so no, that's not going to be the move. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be pitching, you know, essentially like Mariano Rivera for the Yankees in like two and a half months, right? That's yeah. how it kind of goes now. You you flame out with the Rangers. You come back and you are better than a legendary Yankee for a little bit. Yep, that's, that's the way it works. That's exactly what they need, isn't it? <laughs> Take it or leave it. As bad as Gorman's offense has been, his fielding's even worse than I thought it was going to be. I'm going to leave that. I Well, maybe you, but we talked about the reasons that the Cardinals stuck with DeYoung for such a long mm-hmm. time and stuck with Edmund at second, and it was because of the questionable defense of Gorman at second base. And I talked to uh, a friend of mine that uh, works in the Memphis front office earlier in the season, and I said, what do you think of Gorman's defense? And the word that was used for me uh, kind of clunky. Ooh, clunky. Clunk, clunky's not the word you want to hear. No, but it, it kind of is clunky, it isn't is, it? It is. It is. It might be an accurate depiction, but that's not the word you want to hear. No. Clunky. He, he turns He turns the double play better than I thought he would. Yeah, it's just, the. Uh, I don't think it's that as much as it is routine plays that, let me put it this way, we were spoiled by Tommy Edmund at second base. I was just going to say, <laughs> it's clunky compared to Tommy yes, Edmund. Yeah. Uh, I keep going back to Greg Amzinger on this show saying that uh, people were going to, when it comes to Nolan Gorman, people are going to say, how about his defense? And you're going to answer, he really hits the ball. Mm-hmm. That seems like pretty pretty accurate. Take it or leave it. If the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, Gersh will lose his job, not because he's the fall guy, but because it's his actually, it actually is his fault. I'll leave that. Yeah, I don't I'm going to leave fault. that too. Uh, no, it is not going to be his fault, I don't think. I, I don't think, but I, I would be kind of surprised if he would 
be the fall guy simply because of that. I mean, is it his fault that Jack Flaherty is injured? Is it his fault that Stephen Matz is injured? Is it his fault that Harrison Bader is injured? Is it his fault that Tyler O'Neill missed so much time? Is it his fault that Yadier Molina is injured? I mean, come on. I know that we don't like the front office at times, but you can't. We need to look at reality. A lot of huge pieces of this team have been injured, and that is beyond anyone's control. Get you a fall guy. Now, Michelle, <laughs> I, I tweeted this last night. So the Cardinals will play games 98 and 99 of the season, tonight and tomorrow. They will have one player that started at his position on opening day for these two games. Tyler O'Neill's the only one. Wow. You had Bader Who in just center. came back to. <laughs> right, right, exactly. You had Bader in center. Obviously, Carlson will be in center. You had Carlson in right. We don't know who the right fielder will be. And then the five on the infield, it was Arenado, DeYoung, Edmund, uh, Goldie, and then Yachty behind the plate. And Edmund will be the only one playing, but he'll be at a different position too. Take it or leave it. Pools is the hit. Cardinals hitting coach and Soto signs for less in 2023. It's not up for I'll leave that. Team. I'm going to leave that too, but that'd be cool. That would. I think that Albert probably has different... Uh, desires for his first year away from baseball. He wants to travel around. He's never been able to travel. Spend time with his family. I'm sure do a lot of work with his foundation. That has to be... I wonder what that first year is going to be like for him. Because he has dedicated two decades, his entire adult life and most of his youth, to this game. Right. And to the grind of maintaining his body. And we know how much... Albert put into it. It's it's like a Tom Brady unrelenting type grind. And it's got to be so weird when that's over. And you kind of don't know what to do with yourself every day. And the kids. He's got five kids that have never had a summer vacation with dad. Yeah, that's so cool. That's yeah. going to be so fun for him to spend time with his family. But I just wonder what that feeling is like mm-hmm. when after two, two decades you wake up and you're like, what am I going to do right, today? Exactly. Not, okay, I have to wake up, I have to get to the gym, I have to eat, I have to go stretch, go to the ballpark, whatever the schedule is, when you just wake up one day and the schedule's gone. That is a hard adjustment to make for a lot of guys. Yeah. It's probably great in the beginning, mm-hmm. e- even though it's weird, but I would imagine after a couple months, you're you're probably like, all right, I missed the routine. I, I missed the schedule. golf, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. There was an earlier one about Yachty being a coach in the future, and I just didn't read that. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that he's going <laughs> to coach. And by the way, I think he has multiple multiple interests. He's going to manage, right? He's going to manage down in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. He owns a, team a basketball there. team. Yep. He yep. has a music label. I mean, Yachty's got a lot of things going on. He yep. he is a renaissance man. He's a slashy too. Yep, no doubt. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the trade deadline one week from today. Who are Michelle and I's favorite targets? That's coming. Or no, we're, we're, we're doing NFL. Up. That's right. We're doing NFL news and notes. That's right. I'm just looking. I'm being Rob Burgundy here. Uh, that's coming your way next. Oh. That's coming your way next on <laughs> 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Smith, Stedman, Bailey, and Tavon Austin were selected as members of the West Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Oh, congratulations. So, I mean, glad they did it in college. <laughs> yes. Um, not so much with the Rams, but shout out to those guys. Yeah. Uh, now, here's an interesting nugget, Randy, and I want to get your take on this because you covered Danny, as I did for a while. His next move could be the broadcast booth. He reportedly had initial talks with some broadcast networks. I know a lot of these guys are looking at Tony Romo. They're looking at Tom Brady. They're looking at those big time broadcast checks that are coming in 
in after they hang it up. But just because you played and just because you won doesn't mean that your personality will translate to the booth. So what do you think about Danny Amendola in that role? I think that he could be a a, a second tier, a, a four through seven broadcast team guy. To be the number one, obviously, you've got Romo, record-setting quarterback, Aikman, record-setting quarterback, Brady, record-setting quarterback, and then Chris Collinsworth is kind of the outlier here, but has a great personality and an extraordinary amount of football knowledge, and it took him a long time to ascend to the level that he's at on Sunday Night Football now. And you're going to have, I guess, Greg Olson for a year mm-hmm. on Fox. But I, I do think Danny, for as long as he played and his knowledge of the game, I, I think that he could be a lot better than some of the guys that are on Fox and CBS. Yes, I think he could be better than a lot of guys that are on there. I just would have never anticipated that that would even be something that he would be interested in. No. Not that he was a bad media guy by any means. And as you mentioned, mm -hmm. he's got the experience. He's got the connects. But there are some guys you cover, like Chris Long or James Laurinaitis, that you knew those guys are going to be media guys. It's in their destiny, and they're going to be great at it. I just never considered Danny Amendola to be in that group. But that doesn't mean he can't be good at it. No, but I hope he is prepared to work at it. Because I think that's one of the things that a lot of former athletes, when they get into the booth, fail to recognize is that you still have to keep up to date on what's going on. You have to you, you have to watch the teams. Mm-hmm. You, you really have to research the teams that you're doing. And that's the common denom- denominator among the top guys. It's that they all really work hard. That's true. Okay, Randy, we know that Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, they've committed to one another. Kyler Murray getting that $230 million contract. And the contract is... Uh, Kind of interesting. Some nuggets have been leaking out about some of the terms that are in there, including this one. The deal requires that Kyler Murray engages in at least four hours of, quote, independent study during each week of the season from the Monday after training camp ends through the last game of the schedule, including any postseason games. That's right. You heard me correctly. Kyler Murray's deal has a uh, has a homework clause in it. I think it's a smart idea, and I guess they'll keep track of what he's doing on his Cardinals-issued computer. Yes. But the, and this was brought up uh, a few weeks ago. Jamarcus Russell, for whatever reason, joined somebody on a podcast and pointed out that the Raiders sent him home with tapes that were blank. To make and, sure he was watching them? But then he came back and said he, he looked at it, so Ex- they knew that he wasn't. Oh, wow. And Michael Vick, when he was with the Jets, admitted, yeah, I wasn't ready. I was a backup, and I wasn't ready because I didn't study. I think it's a smart move on the part of NFL teams, especially at that position, to require people to study. Yeah, it, it, here's the actual language. It says the material provided to him by the club in order to prepare for the club's next upcoming game, including without limitation, any such material provided via an iPad or other electronic device. And the time spent in the mandatory team meetings does not count. It has to be completely independent of any other activities. And you're right. If I'm Kyler Murray and I'm already studying the playbook and I'm already doing this, this is no problem for me to sign. Sure. Put in the contract. I'm already putting the work in anyway. Mm -hmm. And if I'm the Arizona Cardinals and I have any questions about his commitment to studying the playbook, now it's in your contract and we can use it against you if you're not preparing. And if you are an NFL team and you draft a guy like Kyler or or Baker Mayfield who played in that Oklahoma offense and were able to get by essentially on athletic ability and and they really haven't had to deal with a playbook in the past Mm -hmm. or studying because athletically they were just so far superior to everybody else. Sometimes 
quarterbacks don't understand the amount of work that goes into playing the position. And they kind of have to be taught how to prepare. And that's one of the things that's incumbent upon a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, the coach there, or Matt Rule, who's in Carolina now, and the three or four head coaches that Mayfield had in Cleveland. You have to teach guys how to learn sometimes. Well, how many times did we hear that about Johnny Manziel? Right, exactly. That he, Great one. he did not study the playbook and would just go out there and rely on his raw athleticism and his instincts. And it worked out for him a lot in college. But mm-hmm. once you get to the NFL level, it doesn't really play like that. No, it's a different animal. And a lot of guys have different personalities, too. I have no idea what the work ethic of people like Mayfield and uh, and Kyler Murray are, their, their individual work ethics. But I remember talking to uh, somebody in Indy about how they they literally during the bye week had to kick Peyton Manning out of the facility. Oh, yeah. And t- say, take a break. And actually, even though he was hurt here, that was something that was a flaw of Sam Bradford's, was over-preparing and almost working too hard because he had so much stuff in his head that he couldn't simplify it. He... When he got on the field, everything he wanted everything to be so complicated, he got kind of robotic rather mm-hmm. than he, he had decent athletic ability, but he didn't use it. Well, it's like what we talk about with hitting, right? Mark McGuire yep. told us hitting is feeling, whether you're a quarterback in the pocket or you're a hitter in the box. You want to have the preparation there, go through your reads, know what is coming or what is anticipated of you. But you need to have it be muscle memory to yeah. where you can not be so in your head about it and marry the knowledge with your physicality. And I don't know that in terms of marrying knowledge and instinct, not necessarily necessarily physicality, but I don't think anybody ever did that better than Kurt, who could play street ball and could also play within a system and do both really, really well. I would say Aaron Rodgers is pretty good at yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> there's a great point. Yeah, that's a great Aaron point. Aaron Rodgers might be yeah. uh, the GOAT when it comes to that because he can do both. Patrick Mahomes, too. Yeah, right. Okay, so Tyreek Hill went on first take. He's been doing a, his little media tour recently to try to pump up his quarterback to a tongue of Iloa, who's entering his third year as the Dolphins starter. And let's just say that Tyreek is, he's not holding back with his praise for his quarterback. I'll say it once and I'll say it, say it again. You know, Zach, Zach Wilson is a dog, but I really play with the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, dog. That's right. He was referring to Tua as the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. I'm not buying it. I'm just, uh, I, I don't think he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. And I love him because he's our guy. But I don't think, do you think he's the most, I don't think he's the most accurate quarterback that Tyreek Hill has played with. I wouldn't put him, I don't even know if I'd put him in the top 10. Not yet. I don't Not think top five. That's my quarterback. That is our quarterback. but And I like that he's getting confidence like this on first take on a national mm-hmm. platform. But it's also really adding to the pressure. It is. I mean, they've already put guys like Tyreek Hill and enough weapons around him. He's got no excuses. It's, it's succeed or bust this season. There's no more runway left for Tua. And having Tyreek Hill come on the, arguably the biggest show on the biggest network sports network at least, saying that he's the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. I think it just kind of adds some logs onto that fire now. Last year, Tua did complete 66.2% of his passes, but he threw uh, 27 touchdowns, or I'm sorry, 16 touchdowns and 10 picks. The most accurate quarterback in the league doesn't throw 10 picks. In fact, the most accurate quarterback in the league, I think, threw like 
what, 48 and 7, something like that? But what if, what if this season is different? And what if, as they're working out, they're at team activities, Tua is that accurate? I want it to happen. I want it to, I want that to be. But I don't know. Well, here, here's Tyreek Randy. Let's hear from the guy himself. Here's what Cheetah says he's seen from Tua and why he thinks he's so accurate. I mean, obviously, you know, Tua, he's not your typical gunslinger, but, you know, like, if you really, like, just pay attention to his game, you know, everything is spot on, everything is pinpoint, you know, ball is on time, you know, his fundamentals are on point. You know, he takes the time to make up in other areas and be great in, in, in those other areas that, you know, other quarterbacks may not be good at. That's all I got to say on that. You know, Tua, he's a, he's a heck of a competitor. He, he's a hell of a hard worker. You know, so like I say, man, I'm, I'm excited to work, you know, go to work with him, you know, compete with him. Tua did complete. 67.8% of his passes last year. So we'd want to take nothing away from him because that's our quarterback. That is our quarterback. Joe Burrow completed 70.4% of his passes and threw downfield a lot more than Tua did. <sighs> Kyler Murray, 69.2% completion percentage. Aaron Rodgers, 68.9. Dak, 68.8. So... Tyreek, I love you. And what I want, Ty, uh, what I want. I don't love you, but well, I hope you're right. Yeah, I, I want to uh, to get the ball into your hands, not deep downfield. Just get the ball into the hands of his playmakers and take your chances. It's good to know that they have that that good of a relationship already. That they've been working out so much that Tyreek feels so comp. Part of me though thinks that this is just. I don't think he even believes what he's saying. I think he's trying to take a dig at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Yeah, that There's could be. some bad blood there. I mean, I don't really know what went down there, but he's going out of his way to inflate Tua all of the time while subliminally dissing Patrick Mahomes. And what's going to happen the first time Tua spikes one four yards in front of Tyreek Hill? Then what? It's not going to be a good look. He's going to go in first he, take. and He better not get mad. I bet he will. Oh, those cameramen will catch it too. I yeah. bet he will. First time he slams his helmet down into the into the little you know holder behind the bench or whatever. Oh, they'll they'll see it. <laughs> Last one, Randy. Speaking of Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals president Mike Brown, he says the team's number one focus is to give quarterback Joe Burrow a contract extension. We know that that contract negotiation is looming, and that big paycheck for Joe Burrow is looming. And he says it's their number one priority to get it done. Does Joe Burrow? Get Patrick Mahomes money. He's been to a Super Bowl. He didn't win it. Mahomes had won a Super Bowl when he got his contract. But Cincinnati isn't Kansas City either because Kansas City makes so much ancillary money because of their stadium and the the revenue-generating vehicles that they have around their team. I believe it's going to be really difficult. And I, I think it's a great goal. I'm glad that Mike Brown said it because they've never really signed somebody to a ridiculous contract. I don't know if they can go that kind of money, and maybe they don't have to, on Joe Burrow. So he brought them to their first Super Bowl in 33 years. Mm-hmm. He completed 70% of his passes, 4,611 yards, 34 touchdowns. He's a wonderful face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. His teammates love playing with him. And the fans are obsessed with him. Seven quarterbacks currently earning more than $40 million a year. So if I'm his agent, I'm starting with Patrick Mahomes' money. I might not get it, but I certainly have the case to go in there and say, you know what life is like when you don't have a franchise quarterback. Take care of our guy. 
I would suggest that what they need to do is give Joe Burrow all guaranteed money, but more than Kyler got. So Kyler's deal is for $230.5 million, 46.1 guaranteed. Just a, a, a shade more than Deshaun Watson got. But Watson's is all guaranteed. I think with what Cincinnati needs to do is guarantee every penny of approximately a $235 million contract with $47 million guaranteed. Well, and if you're the Bengals, T. Higgins is coming up. Jamar Chase is coming up. you got a lot of guys that you're going to yeah. need to pay. And I wonder if Joe Burrow considers that. Not everybody has the Tom Brady mentality. Most guys want to get theirs. But I, I wonder if he's gotten a taste now of the mm-hmm. Super Bowl and if he's willing to maybe compromise a little when it comes to the dollar amount because he wants to win. And many times, Michelle, it depends on the agent, the guy himself, and his level of self-awareness. Aaron Rodgers has always wanted to be the highest paid guy. Mm-hmm regardless of what it did to the team around him. As you mentioned, Tom Brady took less so that he could have the best team around him. Maybe Burrow falls somewhere in the middle of that. But to me, the key, and it's exceedingly rare, except in in fact, Tom Brady might be the only guy. You need to, well, you don't need to, but it sure is nice to have a quarterback that wants to have other players around him paid at an extraordinarily high rate. So that the team can be as good as it can possibly be. Absolutely. But who's taking, who's taking those deals? I don't think anybody's taking those deals. No. Brady's the only one. No. Yeah. But if somebody would, I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Burrow would take less. If there was one yep. young quarterback out there that I could see saying, I'm, I want to make sure that Jamar Chase and T. Higgins are also taken care of because I want to win, I could see him taking not an astronomically big pay cut, but I could see him wanting to work with Cincinnati. And understands the limitations financially of the franchise. And is an Ohio guy. You know, there's a lot lot of other stuff at play here. Exactly. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, the Blues will be a cap team in 2022-2023. But can you be a cap team that takes the year off? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Moment on 101 ESPN and Michelle, we have really, I think, complimented the Blues as we should have over the last six or seven years for being a cap team. Even though we could argue that down the stretch at the trade deadline last year, being a cap team probably didn't benefit them because they didn't have the cap money to make a move bigger than the Nick Letty move. They would have liked to have gotten Jacob Chikrin, but they just couldn't fit him in under the cap. And now you look at free agency here, losing David Perron. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if sometimes, while being a cap team is a blessing because you do have a lot of good players and your fans are happy that you're spending as much as you can possibly spend, if it can also be a curse because it does prevent you from making moves that you would like to make. And in the specific situation of the Blues— We were talking about this yesterday, and this is why we came up with this segment. I kind of think that if with the level of inexperience the Blues have, specifically up front and having to play Bull Duke and Neighbors, rather than having veteran guys like Tyler Bozak and David Perron, 
it's going to be exceedingly difficult for the Blues to win a Stanley Cup with the youth on their team in 2022-2023. So I kind of think they're taking the year off. You do? Yeah. Just because of what happened this offseason. You think that the subtractions that the Blues have made are too much for them to overcome to be a true competitor. Or a true contender, I should say, not competitor. Can they compete with Colorado? That's the the Stanley Cup champions. They're in the same division. Do the Blues have enough good players to go head-to-head against the Avalanche? And yes, your top-line guys, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, Shen, Butchnevich, they can. Maybe even Jordan Cairo, who was a point-of-game guy. But then you get down to the Nathan Walkers and the Logan Browns and the the Josh Lavos, who Pierre Maguire brought up yesterday, in addition to Bull Duke and Neighbors. I wonder if the bottom six, which was the identity of the Blues Stanley Cup champions, is good enough for the Blues to be able to win a Stanley Cup. If the Avalanche is the barometer... I don't think the Blues are as good as Colorado, but do I think they can still hang with them? Absolutely. Just like they did this this past postseason. I know that the loss of David Perron is, is looming large. They're losing a lot with David. He was very productive on the ice. He was a leader. He was the type of guy that would give it all at all times. He knew how to get under the opposition's skin. I know you're losing a lot with Ville Husso. He was great for the Blues during the regular season and was someone that they can rely on. But let's not forget... That we still have eight 20-plus goal mm-hmm. scorers on this team. Let's not forget that Nick Letty is now locked in, and he really did a lot to fortify the Blues' defense and make Colton Pareko better. And let's not forget that we saw the reemergence of Jordan Bennington down the stretch. Now, he, to me, is the big X factor in all of this. Can he be that guy, or at least a close version of that guy for the majority of the regular season? If he can, I think the Blues are still a playoff team, and I think they're right there. And we're still waiting taking nothing away from Jordan Bennington. He brought us our first cup, but he came up at midseason. And then in the pandemic-shortened season, he was really good in terms of wins and losses, but he was in the 20s, 30s in terms of save percentage and goals against average. Then in his third season, kind of mediocre, and then obviously kind of fell off the cliff a little bit in the fourth season and had to bounce back. So we're still waiting for him to have his first good 82-game season. The reason that I say what I do is because I I don't think they're necessarily, I shouldn't say taking a year off. I think it's a transition year. I think that they need people like Kairou and Neighbors and Bull Duke and even Mikola and Perunovic to grow into new roles Mm -hmm. and find themselves as NHL players. And the Blues have had to do this in the past, whether it was people like David Perron and TJ Oshie and Patrick to the fight on character and small men in the red corner average joe listener and in the blue corner the undisputed king of morning drive please welcome randy character it's fight time on character and Smallman here on 101 espn randy is on quite the heater Yesterday was his 16th win in a row. Right, Matt? Yeah, 16 in a row. There we go. You, so you have to hit the button yeah, I have to, to hit turn the your bu- mic on. Oh, the, is it yeah, the on that, one? That's how it works. Oh, here. that's yeah, why yeah. the blue. Okay, that's what the blue light means. Okay, I gotcha. We have been trying to see if Randy could match the Cardinals' historic win streak of 17 games last year. If he wins today, he does it, which is no pressure on our challenger, Tim. None at all. Good morning, Tim. How you doing? 
Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm doing I'm well. Good. Thank you for asking. Are you ready to take down Randy and stop this streak in its tracks? Oh, that's what I was hoping for. I'm really glad I got picked today, so let's do it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad that you're up for the task and that you volunteer as tribute. Let's go, Tim. Question number one. There are five Cardinals pitchers with over 300 career starts. Gibson, Forsh, Wainwright, Haynes, and who else? Is it Bill Doak, Matt Morris, or Dizzy Dean? 300 starts as a Cardinal? Is it as a Cardinal or overall? As a Cardinal. As a Cardinal. Uh, I guess I'll go, I have to go with Diz. Who is the only receiver to play their whole career in the Super Bowl era and average over 20 yards per catch? Is that Flipper Anderson, Mel Gray, or Willie Galt? Uh, shoot. He's a tough one. Uh, I'll shot in the dark. Mel Gray. Okay, Tim. Joe Burrow set the 10th highest completion percentage in NFL history last season at 70.4%. What recent quarterback owns the three best completion percentage seasons in NFL history? Is it Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, or Derek Carr? Uh, Aaron Rodgers. When Pete Rose left the Phillies after the 1983 season, what team did he sign with for the next year? Was it the Cincinnati Reds? The California Angels or the Montreal Expos? I think it was the Expos. Score confirmed. We're trying to find Randy. Normally he's. Oh, there he is. There he is. Leaning all the way back to get his attention. He timed that sidestep perfectly. He was out of my view and then right into it. He doesn't stray too far. No, not too far. Randy, as you get your headset on and you finish your protein bar, say huh? good morning to Tim. Tim, good morning. Good morning, Randy. How are you, sir? Good. I was talking to our uh, digital guru, Kim Grant, out in the hall, and always good to see Kim, because she knows a lot about what's going on on the interwebs. Mm. If you ever want to sell some stuff, 2060 Digital. It's a place to be. Yeah. Right on. (laughs) Right on indeed, Tim. Now, Randy, uh, no pressure, but today would be day 17 of the streak. We've heard that before. (laughs) We have indeed. Not my streak. But the, this is the day, Randy. Do you think you can get it done? No. I'm not confident. You're not? You never know. I wish I would have done this in advance, but I wish I would have had the feeling hot, hot, hot. The Michael Scott version. Oh, that one. The one that I posted on Twitter every time that yeah, the Cardinals hot, won. Hot, hot. Maybe, maybe after today, if you win, we'll have that one ready. That'd be good. But not this one. No, I specifically want Michael Scott okay. on the steel drums mm. post Sandals vacation in Jamaica with Jan. Fair enough. A little tan all over, a little Jan all over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, those were the days. Iconic. Great. Iconic. Randy, are you ready to go? Ready. All right. There are five Cardinals pitchers with over 300 career starts. Gibson, Forsh, Wainwright, Haynes, and who else? Gibson. Porsche, Wainwright, Haynes, and, um, oh, I forget the guy's name now. Um, 
Hold on, it'll come to me in a second. He's an old-timey guy. By the way, it wasn't... Uh, wasn't Dizzy Dean. Jesse Haynes and... Oh, he's got a bunch of wins. Darn it. Um, okay, I'll do the lifeline in the essence of time here. Bill Doak, Matt Morris, Dizzy Dean. Well, it's not Bill Doak, and it's not Matt Morris. Or no, it's not Dizzy Dean, and it's not Matt Morris. So Bill Doak. Yeah, got a bunch of wins, too. Who is the only receiver to play their whole career in the Super Bowl era and average over 20 yards per catch? Ooh, good one. Um, so, when Willie Galt went to the Raiders, he was over 20, but I don't think he finished at 20. I think it's former Los Angeles Ram who played with uh, with Henry Eller. I think it was Flipper Anderson. Had a great touchdown to win a game at Giants Stadium. Overtime, just catches it and runs right up the tunnel little locker room. Flipper. They call him Flipper. Flipper. Yeah. Flipper Anderson. That's what I'm going with. I don't know, but I'm going with him. That's a little Forrest Gump action there. Yeah. <laughs> Just running right through the, through right the end through the zone tunnel. into Never the tunnel. Never stopped. Yeah. Never stopped. Run, Forrest. Joe Burrow set the 10th highest completion percentage in NFL history last season at 70.4%. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. What recent quarterback owns the three best completion percentage seasons in NFL history? Recent? Does that mean current? I I will go. If it was current, I would have said current. Okay. Well, the reason I ask that is because in 2016 or so, or 17, Sam Bradford had set the all-time record that year he was with the Vikings. So if it's going to, it had to be post-Sam Bradford. So the three highest percentage years, I think I'm going to go Aaron Rodgers here, but it's not Brady, it's not Breeze. I'll I'll throw Aaron Rodgers out there. Yeah. Not Tua. No, not Tua, even though he is the most accurate quarterback ever. When Pete Rose left the Phillies after the 1983 season, what team did he sign with for that next year? After the 1983 season? For 1984, he was a Montreal Expo. Did Randy do it? Did he match the 17-game win streak? Or did Tim, Tim stop him? Matt, ring the bell. 17 consecutive wins! It's been historic, amazing, incredible! Just win, David. Winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. You did it, Randy. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank 17 you. in a row. What a feat. Sorry, Tim. He beat you 3-1. to one. Yeah, That happened. <laughs> there were tough questions, but I'm part of history. You are part of history, Tim. Many people before you also fell to Randy Carricker. So, ooh, as Randy drops his lunchbox oh, over here, he's he's so excited. He's yeah, throwing yeah. stuff around. Anyway, Tim, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. Have a great day. Be safe out there. Stay dry. Thanks, you too. Thanks for having me on. There are five Cardinals pitchers with over 300 career starts. Gibson, Forsh, Wainwright, Haynes, and Doak, who has 320. And, and a bunch of wins, too. And a bunch Should of wins. Should be in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, actually. 
you might know somebody that could get that done. Maybe. Maybe you do. The only receiver to play their whole career in the Super Bowl era and average over 20 yards per catch is Flipper Anderson, 20.1. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Joe Burrow set the 10th highest completion percentage in NFL history last season at 70.4. The recent quarterback that owns the three best completion percentage seasons in NFL history is Drew Brees, 17, 18, and 19. He's got a lot of those records. Yeah, he does a lot of 5,000-yard seasons. I mean, he blows everybody else out of the water in terms of 5,000-yard seasons. Yeah, he was passing Dan Marino in a lot of categories, and I wasn't too pleased. When Pete Rose left the Phillies after the 1983 season, the team he signed for... For the, or excuse me, signed with for the next season was the Montreal Expos in 1984, and he was traded mid-season to Cincinnati. Wouldn't have bet on that. Feeling hot, hot, hot. Yes. <laughs> Feeling hot, hot, hot. You got to see how Jamaicans live, Randy. It's great. They just relax and party all the time. Braid your hair, lady. <laughs> <laughs> A little tan all over a little jan all over is one of the most iconic lines in television really history. Good. Really good. Shout that's, out to Michael Scott. Yeah, that's the fight. Mike Clayboard is next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Michelle and Randy headed to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, and our friend Mike Claiborne joins us from Toronto, where the Blues will take on, or the Blues. I get ready, get used to Claims. Blues, blues in Toronto, eh? Blues, no Jays. question about that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Gonna go out and work hard, you know, the whole nine yards. Claims, <laughs> oh my God. I love this. You know what? I love this town. This is one of my favorite cities in the world. So what what makes you love it, Klebs? Clean, friendly, uh, variety, fashion, good restaurants, and uh, and right now the weather's really good. It so, might. Uh, it's a really nice. It's a great city. It's one uh, again. When you think about places to travel, this this is in the top five in the world for me. Klebs, if Canada and the U.S. were combined. Toronto would be the fourth biggest city after New York, L.A., Chicago, and it would be the nicest. There's no question. It is light years ahead of anything we have in the United States, period, for a city this size. And if Canada ever annexes an island in the Caribbean, then I'm going to get a new passport. (laughs) Good to know, Clemes. Well, let's hope we see some good Cardinal baseball. It's going to be tough without uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado there. What was your reaction when you found out that those two wouldn't be making the trip to Canada? You know what? I kind of shrugged my shoulders. You know, I knew we were going to have some people that weren't going to go. And, you know, it wasn't like I had any insider information, but I just had a feeling it was going to be a good player. Uh, then you find out it's two good players, and you know what it is. It's a real, it's a challenge to everybody else who's here because it, guess what? There's some innings to be played, and somebody's going to have a chance to play them, and it's their chance to really step up and make a contribution to the team. Clebs, we discussed this yesterday, and you are at the ballpark all the time. You're in the clubhouse. You know the intricacies of this team. With those two guys missing games, that whenever game is important in the second half, do you think that that could cause any tension in the clubhouse? No, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, I know everybody wants to feel like, oh, you know, if they lose these two games, we'll never make the playoffs. Well, I got news for you. There's a whole lot of games that we lost this year that, that they were on the field for that are just as... Well, I want to hear what he had to say. Me too. 
He was on a, it was a, a good topic. Yeah. So we'll absolutely get because him back. Because Mike is there all the time, and he, he knows that the way those two are viewed in the clubhouse and the respect that they command. And I, I don't, I certainly hope that there's not any tension in the no. clubhouse and that there would be still respect for those guys and everything that they've put in. But I think it still is a valid question because it's such a charged topic. Right. And they can do legendary things. They still have time to do legendary things. And while I don't disagree with Mike about the fact that the Cardinals have lost games this year, that they should not have lost, that if you if they don't win the division and they lose by two games or they miss out on the playoffs by two games, I will look specifically if they lose these two at these two because those were two that you didn't have your best players. How often are you going to play games without either of your best players and they're healthy. But what's worse, losing two games without your best players or dropping two to the Reds with your best players there? Well, they're both bad. They're, th- you know there's what I no mean? doubt, you, yeah. It's not as if those two games versus... Tra- and they could win both of them. Well, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. They could back, win both of them. Go back to the Gallegos game against the Mets. There are... Yes. Are, uh, yeah, there's, there are going to be a lot of games to look back at that we said the morning after. Okay, well, that's a game that we'll look back on and... If they miss out by two games, they will. Claves is back with us, and you were talking about uh, the the togetherness, Claves, of of this clubhouse and the the admiration that the players that are not uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Arenado have for those two that aren't there. Yeah, you know, it, it's kind of like in hockey, where let's say a guy goes out and and deals with an individual for whatever reason, and he gets a penalty. Or he makes a great play, and he's off the ice, and, and guys will go out and play harder to kill that penalty. And, I mean, it brings people together, and I think this will too uh, because, as I said, I think this is as good of a clubhouse as I've been in in a long time. So I, I'm really not worried about uh, that. And while the, while the outcome may not be what you may like, I think the effort's going to still be there because Toronto's a good team, and they're really hot right now. They're playing really well. So, you know, we're going to have our hands full, whether Goldschmidt or Arnado are here or not. So – yeah, I just go out and play, and, and don't worry about it because there's nothing you can do about it at this point. And claims, I just, I just looked at it from a baseball perspective, and the the comparisons that I made yesterday were Chris Carpenter doing uncomfortable things like having a rib removed, or Bob Gibson pitching with a broken leg. P, Bruce Souter, you remember Bruce would get a couple of cortisone shots, oh, yeah. that, that, those numbing shots in his shoulder. He knew that down the line that was not going to be beneficial for his future, but he got him so that he could get out there. And compete, and that was my only real complaint. It was from strictly a baseball standpoint. I've seen so many guys wearing the birds on the bat that have done legendary things that were uncomfortable. Yeah, that's true, and it's a good point you make. Um, I, I think the difference is this is a different era, uh, no doubt, of, of athlete and, and what what's important to them. Uh, you know, they all have money, so now they can make more decisions that benefit them in their personal lives. Uh, compared to guys who were playing for money but also playing for for opportunity to be a champion. Uh, and, you know, I don't begrudge them. You know, I think that life is different in how we approach things. And, you know, that's just who they are. And, and it doesn't make them public enemy number one or two. No. It's just who they are, and it's a, and it's a personal decision. And I think because we've gone through so much in the last three years uh, with the pandemic, or almost three years, that, you know, people view life and its values differently than what they did. And I think because right. of the fact that they're in a comfortable situation financially where they can take care of their families and they have, 
then they can do some other things that, you know, are, are, are not comfortable but uncomfortable enough where they're not going to be doing something they enjoy doing, that's playing baseball. And I don't know if it's a great thing. Probably would have been a great thing for us, but an overarching aspect would not have had this happened with Tony La Russa circa, circa 2006. Good point. Very good point. Uh, the, the dynamics would be quite different than what they are now. And, you know, that, and I think that might have been the last era of, of athletes who – had this this comfort level financially that they can afford to make decisions like that. And, you know, again, it's Tony compared to Ollie, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's, a, it's a whole different environment. And it doesn't make any of these guys bad people, but it's just something that they elected to do. And one of the things, when you think about this organization, they have they listen to their players. They pay attention, whether it's Arnado or Goldschmidt or Yachty or – you know, anybody else who has issues, they allow that person, they respect them with regard to their time spent in allowing them or not pressuring them to make decisions that put them in a situation that they're gonna, not going to be comfortable with. Claims at 745 every day we have a segment called Take It or Leave It, and I'm going to propose one to you. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals acquire Juan Soto. Leave it. Has anybody watched this team recently? Notice <laughs> that the one thing that's lacking is pitching. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm not going to, you know what? And I think Soto's a great player. Okay, he's one of the best offensive players in the game. But it, you know, I, we have some other good offensive players. We have a guy named Goldschmidt who just won a Player of the Week award. We have Arenado. We've got uh, Tyler O'Neill. We've got Tommy Edmond when he's high. So, and, and while while I could find a spot for Soto in the lineup. Can you imagine if he hits between uh, Goldschmidt and Arenado and what, what his numbers would look like? But that's not the issue. You know, we would just have another very good player watching us wilt because we don't have enough pitching. And if we don't get that, everything else is, is, is secondary. And, and how they get it, I don't know. And what they get, I don't know. But, you know, that's the most important thing. If we're going to make some big super deal – we got to have a pitcher, and it, and it can't be Patrick Corbin. Is there anyone out there on the market, Claves? And the market is not very deep right now that you would like to see the Cardinals yeah, pursue? You're right. You know, that's a good question, Michelle. And I've been racking my brain. And, I'm, I'm, and what I run into is guys who show potential that I think, well, you know, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'll take them. But I'm looking at guys who are third and fourth starters. I don't need a third or fourth. I have a whole garage full of those guys. <laughs> I need a guy who can come in and shut down a team. And when people look at the rotation, they say, well, this guy's going to be a handful. And then there's Michaelis. And then, you know, Wayno's good against anybody but Cincinnati. And then after that, you know, it's a crapshoot. But remember, if your team that says we're here to get to the World Series, you're going to need three, minimum. You're going to need three legitimate starting pitchers. We don't have three legitimate starting pitchers right now. So you've got to find that, that guy. And until you do, it's going to be a real challenge for you to compete beyond October 1st or whenever the postseason starts. Klabes, the latest edition of the Joe West 5460 podcast features Hawk Harrelson. you got to be blanking me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? So he and, he and Joe West – did not get along. Joe was doing the game, and you probably remember that. And so Jerry Reinsdorf put them together, and these guys can't get out. Of, you know, they're, they're talking all the time. 
and it, it, it's a fun visit. The Hawk is a, is a beauty for a whole lot of reasons. He's got his opinions about just about everything, and uh, we had a good time with him. Uh, we had a visit yesterday, and we'll have that one coming up soon, Jim Leland. Oh, nice. And Jim Leland is just, he is he was fantastic. So we're having a lot of fun with it, so I would urge everybody to check out the Hawk. And we've got Jim Leland coming up, and a guy who I think is the most knowledgeable guy about the rules of the game as a broadcaster, and that's Chris Welsh, the, the broadcaster for the Cincinnati Reds. We've got him coming up down the road as well. So we've got some good stuff on on, uh, on with the Joe West Podcast, 5460, and you can get it anywhere you get your podcast. Klabes, have fun in Toronto, and we will see you when the club gets back home. You know what I'm doing today, Michelle and Randy? What? I'm going to do a little shopping. Oh, one of yeah. The great shopping meccas of the world. So uh, I expect to have plenty of boxes waiting for me when I get back to St. Louis. That's a beautiful thing. Have a great time. <laughs> Uh, you guys take care. See you, Mike. That's uh, the great Mike Claiborne. You can hear him tonight on the Cardinal Broadcast and, of course, the 5460 Podcast and all the great content delivered by Claibs Online. It would be so fun for the Cardinals to acquire Juan Soto, but who's going to pitch? Juan. Juan Soto. Yeah, I, I don't know. Who, who, who is going to pitch? Okay, let me ask you a serious question. Whatever pitcher they acquire, is it really going to get your pulse racing? Are you going to be that excited? Because there's, as we just discussed with Klaibs, not one white whale out there that you would love for them to go out and get that you think, this guy could be the X factor, right? No, there is no Max Scherzer from last year. There is no Max Scherzer from last year. So with that being said, it would be pretty exciting for them to go out and get a legitimate superstar. Even if the glaring need is pitching, at least we'd be excited. At least we'd get to watch a player who is a legitimate star in action. For two years, we would. And next year, he'll probably make 20. The year after that, he'll probably make 24, which probably precludes the Cardinals from going out and getting the pitching that they need to get. Yeah. But we can watch a lot of hitting for the next few years, and that would be fun. I'm not saying it's the answer, but it would be fun. Yeah. Hey, arguably the best hitter of our of this current era. He, he's done things that only Albert Pujols has done before him, and that includes Mike Trout. To see Goldie, Arenado, Soto in the same lineup and have Albert Pujols in the same clubhouse would be so awesome. That'd be fun. And then Andre Pallante goes out and allows seven. And they lose seven, six. But what if you're scoring nine, Randy? Math. <laughs> nice. But the other team has pitchers, too. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Unfortunately. I don't. I don't like where this is going, but it would be fun. <laughs> hey, coming up, what is the what, what does all in mean, and what's the limit for a guy like Soto for you? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's Big Thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Seiden Stricker Noby John Deere. Find them online at snpartners.com. Different franchises have different definitions of all in. For example, the Dodgers admit we may at some point run into a situation where we have to have a budget, but we haven't reached that point yet. Mm-hmm. Right now, their budget is unlimited, and so is their desire. Last year, Michelle, they traded their top two prospects uh, for Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. 
uh, Kiebert Ruiz, who was one of the top catching prospects in all of baseball, and uh, Gray, a young pitcher, who was one of the top 50 prospects in baseball at the time. All in for the Cardinals is different than all in for the Dodgers. Sure. We can agree on that. What do you think all in for the Cardinals would be with the assumption that they wouldn't trade, for example, a guy like Jordan Walker? So if you thought the Cardinals were going to do everything to reach their puke point, that's maybe the question. What is the puke point for the Cardinals? For me, Randy, to say that I felt like the Cardinals were all in on this team it would lead me to believe that they're trying to win a championship, not extend the championship window or the contention window. Mm-hmm. Because that's what I think the Cardinals, that's the crossroads that they're going to be at for this trade deadline. They're looking down the road at all of the prospects they have, and they're trying to plan for the future. But at some point for me to really feel like you're all in, you're going to have to push the chips in on one of the teams in the middle of the season. And this team has been the one that's been circled. And to me, that's not going out and acquiring a star like Juan Soto, as fun as that would be, as we talked about last segment. But it's looking at the big time need on your club and doing everything possible to address it. I'm not suggesting that giving up Jordan Walker is going to make me feel like you're all in on this team. I'm not asking for you to go out and make just some rash, stupid decision. But I want to, at the end of the trade deadline, feel like this Cardinals team is not only better, but they're in a they're in the best possible position to win. Based on the moves you. that are available, by the way. Right. And, I'm not being unrealistic here. I don't think so. And I'm with you on Jordan Walker. And I think I'm with you on Mason Wynn. And I don't think they have any choice but to keep Herrera because Yachty's not going to be around next year. Right. But then I look at Matthew Libertor and I look at Gordon Graceffo and look at the fact that they drafted, as Stan McNeil told us earlier, three left-handed pitchers that might be on a fast track to the majors. And Michael McGreevy is going to wind up being here at some point. They, Malcolm Nunez was their minor league player of the month last month. They have young players. For me... All in for the Cardinals would mean two things. Number one, that you are willing to give up a a top 10, top 8 prospect that you have. But at the end of the trade deadline, regardless of what the financial cost is, you have a guy that's capable of being a number 3 starter in the playoffs. So that you can move Matt's back if magically he's available at the end of the season or pitch a Jack Flaherty out of the bullpen because Jack Flaherty's not going to have enough time to be ready to start games. It'll be like last year. He, if Jack Flaherty's with you this year down the stretch in the playoffs, it's going to be his bullpen arm. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking relative to other teams for the Cardinals all in would be moving a guy like Matthew Libertor and maybe a a Tyler O'Neill to go out and get a number three starter. For example, I think we would both agree that if the Cardinals went out and somehow acquired Luis Castillo, we'd feel like they're all in. Yes, absolutely. Regardless of what it took to get him, because maybe John Mosnalak is able to finesse it and give up less than we're even anticipating. Mm -hmm. To me, it's not even what they're willing to give up. It's what the return is. if, If you get a a legitimate starting pitcher, I'm going to feel like you're all in. But I'm wondering if, again, things can change. More things can be true at once than than just one thing. It's not just black and white. If their viewpoint of the team has evolved from the initial standpoint they had in spring training, where they said it was this year or bust, Mm -hmm. it's World Series 
or disappointment. I wonder as the season has evolved if they still have the same stance on the team as they did back in spring well, training. You and I both know the answer to that question because you and I both know how John Mozeliak feels about Jack Flaherty. And if they haven't had their feelings evolve, then they're idiots. And I, I'm sure they've had their feelings evolve mm-hmm. because you can't be the same team when you lose what you think you have in Jack Flaherty. They aren't idiots. They're smart people. They know. Now, what they need to avoid, because this ticked off a lot of fans last year, even though it worked in getting Lester and Hap, who went 9-3 and three down the stretch and gave the Cardinals the innings they desired, we had Mo on the Monday after the Cardinals made those trades. And I, we said, we asked him, what do you hope to achieve with these trades? And he said, well, we want to protect Oviedo because he, he just can't win at the major league level. We want to protect our young pitchers and hopefully, remember that word, hopefully we can get hot and get into a playoff game and have Mr. Flaherty starting a playoff game. Mm-hmm. He called it Mr. Flaherty starting a playoff game. For me, just in observing the reaction that we get, whether it be on social media or on our text line, the Cardinals need to do more than that. And I don't think even if they would go get a Lopez or a Castillo, I don't think many fans would feel like they're all in. If the Cardinals go get Soto in a pitcher, I think there would be a lot of satisfied people that say, oh, they're all in. But I don't, again, I go back to our definition of what what all in for the Cardinals is because I think that's closer to reality than going and getting Juan Soto. I don't think that's reality. I also don't think that they, if they're not thinking that the core is good enough for them to go all in, then I guess our question evolves. You know, mm-hmm. we're asking what it what it would take for us to feel as if they're all in. But if they're not thinking that this team is worth going all in for based on the injuries that have happened and the way that it's currently constructed, then that changes the conversation point too. Yes. And if they reach a point where they don't think this team is worth going all in for, then I wonder what the point of spending the money on Arenado and Goldie and keeping Wainwright around and bringing back Albert, what was the point if you aren't going to go all in for that group? Maybe they think the injuries are just too much for them to overcome and they don't want to mortgage the future. I would tend to disagree and say still go for it. My stance has been, if not now, when? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to waste a year of uh, an MVP year from Paul Goldschmidt and another year of Nolan Arenado's prime and what you've gotten out of Miles Michaelis this year and Adam Weinert. There's a long list of reasons why I think they should still go for it, but it's not my money to spend. And they are far more calculated than I am. But this is a referendum on this regime this particular regime because of what they said and because of what they did in bringing Albert back and bringing Wayno back for the big money and signing Yachty and having Goldie and Arenado here. And, and by the way, having you're not getting this guy out of my cold dead hands playing center field for you. There's a lot of things here that they believed in and this should be the year for. That's a great long nickname. You're not getting this guy out of my cold dead hands yeah. in center field. Yeah, cold dead hands guy. Cold dead hands guy. Now, I want to bring up one more thing quickly. Mm-hmm. We were talking about this, I think, during a break. I don't even think this was on air about Cardinals fans and their appetite to win and, frankly, their interest in the team and or baseball anymore. We have so many options of things that we want to consume, and the Cardinals are different in St. Louis. They really are. Mm-hmm. They're grandfathered in. They're ingrained into us. But I go to a lot of games, and 
Albert Pujols is an organizational icon, and every game is not sold out. There's a lot of empty seats there. And I'm wondering if the Cardinals don't go all in this season, and if they don't make a a deep run in the playoffs, when is that going to start being reflected in people's consumption habits? We're already starting to see it a little bit. But when are people just going to say, you know what? The XFL's coming back. I can drink a bunch of beers down at the Dome and scream caca. That sounds like a good time. Soccer's coming here. There's a lot of excitement there. I, w- I want to go see City SC. Maybe I'll travel in- instead of going to the Cardinals game to see the Blues play on the road because they've won in recent history. I just think there's there's so much more that the Cardinals need to factor in mm-hmm. when it comes to making a move at this at the deadline because... People aren't satisfied with just making the playoffs anymore. And I know that's ridiculous, too, because a lot of franchises are tanking and have a far worse product, but it's different here. Well, here's another thing, through no fault of the Cardinals, because they do play the game generally the way it should be played, but they play a bad sport right now, a boring sport right now. Super boring. And they, if everybody played like the Cardinals do then it'd be a better sport. But they don't. Mm-hmm. They play the three-two out, three-true outcome game, and it's not appealing. And the other thing the Cardinals did pre-pandemic, which was brilliant, was turned games into a social event. So it didn't matter what was happening on the field because people were there to hang out with friends and have a conversation. Post-pandemic, people are having people over on their back porch. Mm-hmm. People are sitting on patios at restaurants. That habit is gone now. So the excitement... As Bob Ramsey used to say, the fun is in the winning. And that's what will attract people, is winning. That's the the only way people are going to be excited. They're going to be excited by the product, unless the product is a winning product. And I don't think it's enough to buy tickets to see one person anymore. If you're not buying a ticket strictly to see Albert Pujols, or to see Yadier Mm -hmm. Molina in his final season, or to see... Wayno and Yachty together yep. in their final season or to see an MVP in Paul Goldschmidt or to see Nolan Arenado, a future Hall of Famer, then what what is going to make you buy a ticket? I, those are five pretty good reasons <laughs> yeah, right. to buy a ticket to yeah. a baseball game. Pork yeah. nachos. Yeah, the nachos are Pork great. Nachos yeah, are those are great. Right. So, and again, it's uh, I, I don't necessarily... I, I, I can blame the Cardinals because I, we said during spring training they needed to fortify their pitching. But in terms of the overall product the baseball presents, that's, well, kind of the Cardinals' fault because Bill DeWitt brought Jeff Luno in and started all of this. But I don't think he foresaw this coming. No, but it would be cool if the Cardinals were the only team benefiting from it. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? If they were ahead of the curve and no one else caught on, then that's a different story. But it, yeah. I, I don't like to call them the nerds, but the nerds are winning. It's not as the fun. The nerds have won. The, the nerds have They've won. Yeah. And I say that with all due respect. You guys are really smart. But I'm not watching a game to really think that much. I just want to be entertained. I was talking to a close friend last night, Michelle. It's interesting that you bring this up about the nerds. Big ba- big time baseball fan. Lifetime baseball fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, said to me that baseball jumped the shark for me when Wade Miley started an NLCS game and faced one batter. Because it was a nerd move. And I get it. I totally get it. Uh, that's Michelle. I'm Randy. And that is today's big thing on 101 ESPN. That's our little wine fest. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> it's just reality, though. Yeah. I hope that they go all in. But I also understand that they're in a tough position where they might not think that this is the, no. the team that they anticipated to be watching right now is not the team that's playing. And they might not think it's necessary to go all in. Yeah. I. You're right. They might not. 
But then don't talk to us about the randomness of the postseason. If if you're not going to go off, if you're not going to try to make the playoffs, then your entire argument for the last 15 years goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Fair. Coming up next, the Cardinals do open a series in Toronto tonight. We'll take a quick look at that. Plus, later we've got your Killing Me Smalls on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Mobile on the Run. On the Run is your summertime snack and sip store. Okay, we got a text. If you're driving around, I need an answer, please. If you can text to 65780. Well, not if you're driving. Well, but if you've been around this morning. Uh, from the 636, Randy, we're planning on coming 364, that's a page extension, to 270 to Olive to pick up some allergy meds that St. Charles won't allow to be sold. Can we get through to there with the flooding? So if you've been on the page extension to 270 to Olive this morning and there's flooding or not flooding, can you please test, text us 65780 so that I can report back to this person that needs their allergy meds today? Yeah. We hope that you can secure the meds. Yep. And as uh, Matthew mentioned, the Cardinals are in action tonight. Six o'clock, Bally Sports with the game from Toronto, Palante against Berrios. And Michelle, as we mentioned earlier, the Cardinals will have one player at his position from opening day. Tyler O'Neill will be the only guy in left field. You'll have two others that play different positions. Dylan Carlson in center, Tommy Edmond at short, but a different looking team than the one we saw on opening day. Not the team we expected to see at this no. point in the se- July 26th. Not what we're hoping to see. Not at all. All right, time for... You're killing me, Smalls! Do you want some good news or do you want some bad news? Uh, I want some good news, but here, let me hop up in the chopper here, okay? Oh, okay, go ahead. Okay. Uh, okay. From the 636, I just traveled 364 to 270 to South to South Olive. There's lots of rain, but no flooding. So as we look at it from overhead, Michelle, looks like the page extension to 270 to Olive is good. I'm Captain Randy Carricker, 101 ESPN Jet Copter 2. I need to make sure you're securely out of the chopper before we proceed. I'm back and good. Thank you. Okay, good, good. Safety first, Randy. Okay, now that you're back, and thank you for that update, good news or bad news? I'll take the good news first, please. Okay, the good news, Randy, is that we just got a great package delivered to us uh, from Chicken Out Chicken, our friends over at Chicken Out Chicken. I just want to give people a heads up on this. I'm hosting this this Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m. in the parking lot at Chicken Out Chicken in Kirkwood. They're having a block party called Fryer Fest, you know, as a nod to our friend Ja Rule and the uh, big time fail. Fire Fest, but this is going to be awesome. Fryer Fest, it's a block party. There's going to be a chicken wing eating competition. Um, there's going to be live music, all sorts of, of great foods and beverages there. And they just delivered us some chicken out chicken tendies. Mm. So the good news is, is that not only am I hosting this great event and everyone should come, come hang out on Thursday, we're going to have chicken tendies after the show. Delicious. Chicken out chicken is great. And for those of you that are vegetarians, they have a faux chicken Ooh. that my vegetarian family members are really enjoying. There you go. Well, yeah. I'm going to be posting all the details on my socials, but if you're looking for something to do on a Thursday night, come hang out. Love should it. be fun. You're killing me, Smalls. And now for the terrible news. No. Randy Klondike has decided that after almost 40 years of unrivaled greatness, that they are discontinuing the Choco Taco. You heard that correct. The Choco Taco 
Bye-bye. Discontinued. So I saw your tweet last night, and I thought to myself, why the face? WTF. (laughs) Why would they do something this stupid? Haven't we been through enough, Klondike? Yeah, I would say so. A global pandemic. The weather is absolutely terrible. Monkeypox are everywhere now. The least you could do is let us have the Choco Taco. It's a staple for every American that traverses youth. If you're a youngster, you had and loved the Choco Taco. Some of us had and loved it more than others. But I just can't see a world in which we're a better place and a more productive society without the Choco Taco. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Me either. And I would put it on the Mount Rushmore of ice cream treats. I'm right there. I'm right there, Michelle. Drums, yeah. Drumstick. Drumstick uh, is strong. Drum, drumstick. Yep. Choco Taco. I'm throwing in the, fled, the Fred Flintstone Orange Push Pop from back in uh, the day. What about the Chip Witch? Very good. Very strong. Yeah. Great Mount Rushmore right there. Yeah. And that's right off the top of our heads. By the way, Matthew was shaking his head no. I'm not, I'm not a Choco Taco. I'm more of a, I'm more of a, a traditional, like regular Klondike bar. Who hurt you? Kind of person. <laughs> it's You know what the thing is? It's it's I'm not a big fan of of drumsticks either, only because I the waffle it's like the 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 I'm not I'm not down with like the waffle cone kind of thing when I'm unless it's like you know I'm I'm at like an overvice or something like that and I'm getting it right there. That's why I'm more down with the waffle cone. The frozen one, it's a little bit hard. I, I I'm trying I'm trying to stick with the only thing I want crunching when I'm eating an ice no, cream no, uh, no. when I'm eating an ice cream treat is I want that hard chocolate. That's the only crunch I want. Yeah, you got problems. We yeah, need a change.org position petition or we something. Do. Yeah, bring Save the Choco, the Choco Taco. Taco. Used to be a staple at Taco Bell back in the day, too. The Choco Taco? Yeah. Amazing. It's just so great. You can fit it in your hand. When you take a bite out of it, you're getting the chocolate. You're getting the waffle cone and the ice cream. And this is important. It doesn't melt a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting a dip cone, delicious. But you better uh, eat that baby quick or else it's going to melt all over your hand. Right. The Choco Taco, you can savor. You can enjoy. All that ice cream is packaged right there. And that waffle taco. So... What would we do for a Klondike bar unless you bring back the Choco Taco? Nothing. That's right. Wow. What would you do for a Klondike Nothing, bar? you jerks. Yep. You're killing me, Small. Speaking of jerks, Nick Castellanos not pleased with a reporter in Philadelphia. So, Randy, we're complaining a lot about the Cardinals after they dropped two of three to open the season versus, or the second half, excuse me, versus the Reds. But how about the Phillies who got swept by the Cubs in their opening series? Ouch. Yeah, not great. And Nick Castellanos was asked um, in that series if he heard the boos coming from the stands because, as we know, Philly fans, they're not going to take that. They, you're opening the second half and you're getting swept by the Cubs in Philly. Not great. So some boos were raining down on the Phillies. And Nick Castellanos was asked if he heard them. And he did not like that line of questioning. Here's what it sounded like. Did you uh, hear the boos there when you struck out and they played the game there? No, man. I lost my hearing. <laughs> so you didn't hear it? Come on, man. That's a stupid question. Why is that a stupid question? Can anybody else answer that for him? Anybody? Yeah, man, that's a stupid question. It's not a stupid question. If it's a stupid question, you should be equipped to answer all right, it. All right, I did answer it. All right, all right. The answer we should got be able to answer it. We got the answer. That doesn't mean that I can't say that it's a stupid question. It wasn't a stupid question. Of course, if I heard the booze, is 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 that's a rhetorical question. Of course, it's a stupid question. That's a stupid question. We got the answer. We're good. Thanks, guys. And you should be able to handle a stupid question. I did. Okay, I need you to put on your white wig here. I need three verdicts from Randy Carrick. Gotcha. 
Uh, number one, a verdict on this. Was that a stupid question? The question was, did you hear the booze? Stupid question? Not stupid question. He heard the booze. It's a stupid question because we know he heard the booze. Okay. So, and by the way, the question should have been, what did you think of the booze? There you go. Okay. Question number two. Even if he thought it was a stupid question, should he have said that to the reporter? Not in those terms. I prefer one of his teammates, Bryce Harper. That's a clown question, bro. <laughs> Very good. T-shirts made afterwards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And question number three for you that I need a verdict on, Randy, is did the PR guy jump in too late and say we're closed? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, you just uh, you usher him away and say, okay, thanks, guys, and then usher him away. Yeah, you don't let the guy stand there. You, you've got to usher him away from the scrum. I know everybody has a bad day, and normally players don't say things like that, like it's a dumb question. But when when emotions are charged like that after you're getting booed and you're getting swept by the Cubs, I can see how you might want to take it out on a reporter who's pointing it out. Sometimes we have to be the ones to deal with the ire. And It's not personal. No. In Philadelphia, the East is generally a little bit more aggressive, and the media there is a little bit more aggressive at times than the Midwestern media. It's just... It's the way personalities are. People are more aggressive east in the East than they are in the Midwest. We talked about this after the show yesterday. If Aaron Judge and Stanton weren't making the trip to Toronto because they weren't vaccinated, what would the New York media do? They would be losing their minds. Their heads would explode. Because it was funny yesterday that we were just posing some questions and and bringing it up and we got attacked for mm-hmm. being accused of attacking that when I didn't think it was attacking in nature. And I said, can you imagine if this was in New York or in Philly or in what is generally mm-hmm. regarded as a tougher media market? Yeah, it, 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 it would be the biggest story in sports. Yeah, it would be epic. Yeah. And I think there, just by the nature of the beast, there would be a lot fewer people that were just so overtly protective of the players on the team. A lot fewer listeners and fans. Because they care more about the, just strictly the result? Yeah. Yeah, probably. You're killing me, Small. And finally, since this is turning into the contentious hour, we're ripping Klondike, we're having Nick Castellanos ripping a reporter. Let's talk about Madison Bumgarner ripping another player. So on Saturday, we had the Nationals taking on the Diamondbacks, and Victor Robles hit a home run. It made the score at the time 7-2. to two. That's right. They were losing 7-2, to two, and he hit a home run. He took some seconds to see where his homer was going, celebrated a little, and Madison Bumgarner pitcher did not take too kindly to that as a clown golly no shame no shame like it's seven to one you hear third homer of the year you act like barry bonds breaking the record clean it up i don't care about getting up the run nobody i mean hell we won seven to two eight to two whatever it was uh that's uh frustrating that's the i'm the old grumpy guy i know but that type of stuff didn't that didn't used to happen now it's that's that's ridiculous I love that. Clean it up. Let's clean it up. Yep. He's not wrong because I'm an old grumpy guy too. (laughs) But times they have changed. And I think Mad Bum has to come to grips with the fact that there is a lot of celebration that goes on in baseball now. And guys are going to act like they're Barry Bonds hitting their 71st home run. Well, and Victor Robles played this perfectly because he showed up to the game on Sunday and unveiled a red clown nose. <laughs> there you go. That he wore. Mm-hmm. So 
he took it in stride and made it fun. But I love both. I love the young players that are showing enthusiasm and joy when they play the game. They should be able to mm-hmm. celebrate if they do something good, regardless of what the score is. I think baseball needs more of an infusion of fun. And I also love the old, grumpy, crusty, salty Madison Bumgarner who says, you're a clown. Clean it up. I want Madison Bumgarner on our team. So do I. I want a little bit of that energy in the clubhouse. Yep. Because you have it with Yachty and you have it with Wayno and you have it with Albert, but they're having so much fun this season mm-hmm. that that old school crustiness is not really being portrayed this year because they're having a good time. And remember how Mike Matheny called John Lackey crusty, right? Yeah. That was his nickname down there. And the other part of this, Michelle, is that Adam Wainwright fixes pitchers. I don't know if the Cardinal coaching staff does, but he fixed Martinez, right? And he fixed Matt's before he got messed up. Or not Martinez, but Junior Fernandez. Matt, and last year, it was all he had to do with Jay Happ was tell him he loved him and that he was great and he wound up being great. So if you get Mad Bum into a Cardinal uniform, wearing number 40, uh, Sayonara, Westy. Uh, but um, <laughs> yeah, you get Mad Bum here wearing number 40 and get it, uh, Adam to straighten him out, he'll be a stud. Can you imagine him telling other players within the division, you guys are clowns? I would love it. Yeah. I, I need a little bit more of that. Yeah, clean it up. I didn't clean, realize clean being, it up. A, being an MLB pitcher aged you like you were the president of the United States. Madison Bumgarner turns 33 in five days. He sounds like he's 54 in that sound clip. That is, he's literally the same age as my older brother. They're born on the same day, two years older than me. I feel like that guy sounds like he's 18 years my senior in a different generation, and he's got a two years on me. Michelle's older than Madison Bumgarner. Yeah, why does he sound like he's 75? There are multiple Madison Bumgarner stories that are great. Let's start with this. Okay. That he's the greatest postseason pitcher in the history of the sport. Real quick, are we talking Madison Bumgarner or Mason Saunders? Just so I'm aware. Okay, let's start with Madison Bumgarner. Okay, thank you. Who, back in his younger days in North Carolina, dated a young lass named, wait for it, Madison Bumgarner. I can't believe it. I still can't believe it. I still can't he believe did. it. No way. I think that that's a made up. That's a that's an old wives tale. There's no way that's true. No, he, he admitted it. I just, I just need to point out that at the beginning of this clip, again, this man is about to turn 33 years old. As a clown. Golly. No shame. Golly. He's about to turn 33. The man has been aged in dog years, apparently. Yeah. And then let me throw this one out there for you, because we all loved... Chris Carpenter. And in 2012, when Chris Carpenter pitched Game 6 of the NLCS in San Francisco, I was absolutely convinced that he was going to turn in a virtuoso performance. He got rocked, but I was convinced because he was Chris Carpenter that he was going to turn in a virtuoso performance. All right. Madison Bumgarner in his career in the postseason is 8-3 and three with a 2.11 earned run average. Pretty good. You can't tell me that if he pitches Game 3 of a playoff series against the Mets that he's not going to win that game. You cannot convince me that he's not going to win that you game. You can't tell Randy nothing no. about Mad Bum. Now, we should just tell him that the opposition was punking him before the game and get him all riled up. Yeah, that'd be fun. Don't you miss that, too? Because we... We love Adam Wainwright, maybe more than any athlete in town that we've had in the history of our show. And Adam Wainwright is a fierce competitor on game day. No one needs to motivate that guy. He's locked in. 
but we don't see him getting overtly angry. I want some Chris Carpenter anger back on on the Cardinals. Albert Pujols used to have that anger. I'm sure it still resides within him. Yachty certainly does. But they're at different stages of their careers right now. I want somebody to come in and be mad. I want somebody to come in and provide a little sandpaper. I love that this clubhouse is so connected. And I love that they love each other. And I love that they're in good moods all the time. It benefits us. But I also, in the postseason, want an angry dude. He can be an angry dude. Remember a couple of years ago when Mac, Max Muncie of the Dodgers hit that home run? He had a, a splashdown against him at Oracle Park. And as Muncie was rounding the bases, Bumgarner was yelling at him. Love it. That's what we need. We I'm do. with you. 100%. Do. do you think he would come here? Yes. I think so, too. Now, here's one other question for you. Is that a guy that Wayno says, I love you too? No doubt. Okay. I know he does love him, but you, do you tell Madison Bumgarner, I love you, man? Or do you just say, hey, you're great? No, they those two sit down over some sweet tea and oh. they say, I love you, man. Yeah. yeah I feel like his, Madison Bumgarner's response is something like, I only say that to my dog and my mom, but you know how I feel. No, no, about no, his you, cows. Or something like that. His or cows. His, yeah, his cows. Yeah, you're right. He actually has right. cattle. <laughs> yeah. That's not even. That's, no, that's I'm not point. making a joke. Yeah, the does. man loves cattle. He does. Big time. It's a good thing. I don't think there's any player on the team or any person that could come join the team that Adam Wainwright would not say I love you to. No. You know, we should do a segment sometime on how many old school players are in baseball right now. It's not many. He's one of them. Yes, he is. He's mad bum. Do you think there's less than 10% of old baseball guys left? And that's just a mentality, not even necessarily than, an age. Yeah, very I, much less than 10%. I agree. Because there aren't two and a half of those guys on the Cardinals right now. Two, two, two point six. Two and a half? You don't think? You don't think Albert and Yachty are two old school mentality guys? And Wayno. Albert okay, Wayno. Okay, so the, okay, the Cardinals you do. Tyler O'Neill? Younger guy with an older, no. older no, mentality? No, no, he works out too much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a good point. The older dudes well, will how, not be how eating how that much was protein. Jacked? Yeah, it's different. Okay. It's, it was different. Right. Don't you think? Yeah. Holiday's jacked is different than Tyler O'Neill's oh, jacked? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Holiday is natural. He's just... Matt wouldn't have to lift a weight and he would look jacked. But he did lift weights. <laughs> yeah, and that's Those forearms I mean. were pythons. Yeah, unbelievable. You know? Yeah. Right? yeah. Yep. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, coming up, we're going to give away some Ducats <laughs> to uh, the Cardinals' Bud Bash coming up Tuesday against the Cubs. And uh, we're going to head down the stretch here, get ready for the cards and the... Blue Jays, and then you've got a balloon party coming up as well here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. to win a four-pack of tickets to next week's Bud Bash for the Cards and Cubs on Tuesday, August 2nd. It features a limited edition Ozzy Smith bobblehead. Get all the details for the Bud Bash nights at Bush Stadium now at cardinals.com slash promotions. And to win your four-pack of tickets, all you need to do is be texter number 46. Mm -hmm. Texter number 46 and answer this question that Matthew Rocchio has for you. How many gold gloves did Ozzy Smith win across his career? 
How many gold gloves did Ozzy win? Texture number 46 gets the Bud Bash ticket. Speaking of Ozzy, folks still have about a day. If you'd like to bid on Ozzy's golf driver, his personal driver from last season, it's up on eBay. Just go to eBay and search Ozzy Smith driver, and you can bid on it. And all the proceeds go to Ozzy's PGA Reach Foundation, which is very cool. So check that out. And Michelle, one other quick note. Folks can head on over to Llewellyn's in Webster on Thursday night to benefit the Mizzou Tiger Club. 20% of the proceeds from meals and drinks on Thursday will go to the Mizzou Club uh, Dine and Diner Day. So if you're headed out to dinner on Thursday night, make it to Webster and Llewellyn's to benefit the Mizzou Tiger Club. Sounds great. Should be fun tonight. Should be interesting. Maybe not fun, but interesting tonight to see how the Cardinals respond to the adversity that they're dealing with. I hope that the team comes out and they're more motivated than ever to pick themselves up after Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt are unavailable to them because that would be a huge statement in saying, I know that everyone is wondering how this is going to impact the clubhouse or how it might impact the play on the field, but we're good enough to win two games without them and we're going to rally together and make sure it gets done. And the Royals, who at the time had the worst record in all of baseball, went in there with 10 players missing because they weren't vaccinated and they wound up winning the first game against Toronto. So it it has been done by lesser teams than the Cardinals. So hopefully the Cardinals can pull that off and at least get tonight and then take your chances with Wayno on the mound tomorrow night. I really hope that they win both of these games, not only because the division race is going to be neck and neck and mm-hmm. winning matters and it's more fun to cover, but then to me it's it's a non-story. You know, if they go and they win both of these games, we don't have to bring it up again. No, that's exactly right. And especially if they if they get shut out or only score one run and they're missing the number three and four hitters, it's pretty tough to win for any team if you lose your number three and four hitters. And this team has lost them. So hopefully they'll be able to overcome the adversity that they're dealing with. Fingers crossed. Big time. I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> so We're not just missing any two players in this conversation, Randy. So, uh, we're, we're talking... We're talking Goldie and Arenado. Yeah. Not what, great. One other question. Do you think that the next time I have to negotiate with Tommy Mattern, our operations manager here at 101 ESPN, and John Kioski, our general manager, do you think they're going to require me to study for four hours a week? No. Oh, good. Because they want to be realistic about what's required. <laughs> <laughs> they know, true. Randy, you don't really love school. You don't love academia. And I don't know if they would count. I mean, technically, you study for far, far more than four hours a week because you're watching games, you're reading, that's studying, yeah, listening to podcasts, consuming other interviews. All of that is studying for us. Yeah, I, I'm with you. So I just wondered if I would be put in the Kyler Murray territory there. I think you, Randy, uh, based on what I've learned about you as a student, these things you like to consume freely of your mm-hmm. own volition. If you were required to... And it was set up as in this is a class and you're required to study. I don't think you'd enjoy it as much. You're exactly right about that. You got me pegged. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one, the only Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. And Michelle, the uh, chicken out chicken smells great. Can't wait to give it to you after the show, Randy. We've got some tenders with your name on it. Thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Character and Smallman Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Pop quiz. What can you buy for $3.99? 
Not a latte, but for less than the cost of a cup of coffee, you can get all your favorite music ad-free. While other streaming services jack up their prices, Live One's membership is only $3.99 per month, and you can lock in that price for a full year. Join now to get the best deal in music with zero ads, unlimited skips, and maximum audio quality. Get the music you love at a price that fits into your budget with Live One Plus. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature.